Live from the world's greatest race course, the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, this is the NTT IndyCar Series. With complete coverage of today's qualifying, this is the IMS Radio Network. Well, the anticipation continues to grow as we move ever closer to the 107th running of the Indianapolis 500. Welcome to uh, Fast 12 Qualifying. Mark James, Davey Hamilton, Nick Yeoman, and others set to take you through the next few hours. And by the time this day is done, the field of 33 will indeed be set. And Davey Hamilton, um, very fast, fast 12 is what we're about to watch unfold in front of us. <laughs> it is a very fast 12. How it's going to start, Mark, the slowest of the 12 will be the first out. That's Will Power just pulled on racetrack right now. Going to, going to all 12 have an opportunity to go out and see what they have in this one attempt. But then we take the fast six and then do it all over again. So it's going to be an exciting time. Will Power, the slowest of the 12 as of yesterday. We'll see where he files in today. And Nick Yeoman, you can give us the roll call of the 12 that we will watch qualify and attempt to move on to the fast six. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. First up, it is the veteran Will Power, former winner of this race. After him, the surprising rookie Benjamin Peterson, who turned a no-toe lap at 235 miles per hour earlier this morning in practice. After Peterson, it's the defending winner Marcus Erickson, and then it's Peterson's teammate Santino Ferrucci. Out fifth, it'll be Pato Award. Sixth, Takuma Sato, followed by Tony Kanan. Scott Dixon will go out eighth in line, Renus VK ninth, and then the final three mark, Alex Below, uh, Alexander Rossi, and the fastest from qualifying yesterday, the Swedish driver, Felix Rosenquist. Uh, picture perfect conditions, uh, which to qualify here at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. Let's get some uh, affirmation on that from Alex Wolf. Ambient temperature is 74, track temperature 121, as this track is bathed in sun with blue skies and not a whole lot of wind to speak of. And Will Power takes the green flag and points it into turn number one. And he'll make his way out of corner number one, right to the short shoot. Steady hands, the driver of that Verizon Team Penske Chevrolet. Shoots by the turn two suites that are jam-packed with race fans enjoying this Sunday in Indiana. Down the back straightaway, Will Power roaring through the RPMs, peaks out at about 239 miles per hour marking to turn three. Already into the short shoot in the north end, and he'll take it to the bottom of the racetrack. The left sides go below the white line that brushes up along the outside retaining wall. He slides it back to the middle of the racetrack. He crosses the yard of bricks to start finish line. One lap is in the books for Will Power. 233.297. Again, 233.297 miles per hour. Will Power, the only representative from Team Penske. That always a surprise. His teammates Scott McLaughlin and Joseph Newgarden going to start in the middle of rows five and six. So this the only bullet in the chamber for the man who owns this racetrack, Team Penske, Roger Penske. Will Power into turn number three. On the other hand, the power plant Chevy, their manufacturer, factor of the bow tie with plenty of representation in this fast 12 and the horsepower Benny benefiting them throughout this qualifying here over the couple of days lap number two is in the books off of 233 297 a tick slower 232.518 Nick the two lap average 232.907 Again, very early, first car out. Not sure these are the type of speeds we expect to see bun uh, bunch their way into the top six as we, again, saw some big speeds at 234, 235 earlier today. But Will Power going to give it his all into turn number three. Firestone tires down below the white line as Power accelerates into turn number four. And legendary prowess when it comes to setting on pole. Will Power is one of the best at that all time. Alpha 233, 297. 
232-518-232-640, lap number three. The three-lap average for Will Power, 232.818. So Will Power finds a little bit of speed on lap number three, or he had a moment on lap number two for the drop-off, but lap three faster than lap two. The red nose of that Verizon Chevrolet for Team Penske pointed towards turn number three, turns that steering wheel ever so slightly. It's bobbling a bit. Boy, he had to catch it there at the exit of turn number three. Will Power with his hands full a little bit, Mark, out of turn number four. Yeah, really low at the apex of turn number four and then gathered it back in, got to the middle of the racetrack and points it toward the start-finish line. Lap number four, 232.089, Davey. The four-lap average for Will Power, 232.635. Yeah, it's good number, but not good enough. I don't think that could put him in the top six. I think more than likely that may even put him 12th in this run. I expect speeds to be much higher than that just for the reason of such great conditions. It's fairly, you know, it's warm out there. The sun is hot. I just was out there to check it out, and the sun is baking down the speedway. Track temperature's getting much warmer. Don't know exactly where it is right now. We'll find that out as this run goes, but uh, ambient temperature feels pretty good. Wind, as Alex says, it's way down. I mean, almost near nothing right now, so um, I don't think that's going to be a number that they're really looking for. And we did see some laps this morning in this practice session for this fast 12 at the 235 mile an hour. Yeah, rate. legit. How about the next guy out? Uh, Benjamin Pedersen, he, he threw it down. He had the fastest lap, no toe lap, as anybody in this field. Is there going to be a rookie on the pole out of A.J. Foyt Racing Camp? I think we'd all be shocked if that happens, but right now he's proven to be fast. And again, as we mentioned earlier, only a couple of rookies for A.J. Foyt all time. The 17 rookies he has qualified for the 500. Only two have ever started better than 22nd. Mateus Laced in 2018. Nick, I don't know if you were listening. Do you know who the other one was? Uh, I would not. Go ahead and tell me. He's sitting right next to you in 1996. <laughs> yeah, he started 10th. Very cool. Davey Hamilton, uh, that's that's a fantastic note. We see Benjamin Peterson getting up to speed. Mark, one note, Will Power yesterday, uh, his four-lap average that got him into this fast 12, it was at 232.7. It's the exact same four-lap average that he ran today. So it doesn't look like uh, Team Penske found anything overnight on that 12 car. And Benjamin Peterson crosses the yard of bricks, and the green flag is in the air, and the run is underway already at the uh, short shoot in the south end. Again, carrying a ton of speed into turn number one. This young rookie who uh, grew up in the Seattle area, also born in Copenhagen, Denmark, a graduate of the Indy Next Series, and he has been a pleasant surprise this weekend in qualifying. Down the back straightaway, we see that car closing in on 240 miles per hour, that red machine for Supertex. A.J. Foyt, the car owner, Benjamin Peterson, the driver, Mark out of turn four. Both he and his teammate, Santino Ferrucci, have more than benefited from the boost that was added for qualifying. Lap number one of the books for Benjamin Peterson. 233.137 miles per hour again lap number one 233.137. So this might be a great illustration of how that uh, baking racetrack that Davey talked about has sucked a little bit of speed out of the track as well. Not nearly as fast as what we saw this morning. Benjamin Peterson, halfway down the back straightaway, arcing it into turn number three. Takes not a huge swing to make the corner, but he'll shoot his way through the short shoot here on lap number two. Yeah, it's in the north end, and he's about a foot and a half off the outside retaining wall in that north short shoot. He's well off the outside retaining wall as he exits turn number four. 
and gets it to the low side of the front straightaway. Lap number two, 232.869. The two-lap average, 233.003 from Benjamin Peterson. And a reminder, unlike the last row shootout, all of these drivers only get this one attempt to push their way into the afternoon portion of qualifying into the fast six. So this is what you got. Benjamin Peterson has that car in fifth gear, setting up for turn number three. All red race car has a yellow helmet that stands out quite bright here in the sunlight here in Indianapolis. Benjamin Peterson rockets his way out of turn four. F-55 car works his way through the north end, gets it to the middle of the racetrack, and again, the inside half of the front straightaway off that 232.869. Pretty consistent. Lap number three, 232.657. The three-lap average for Benjamin Peterson, 232.888. Three and a half laps done in qualifying here, and that car looks very stable. No moments around this two-and-a-half-mile oval. He's got a half a lap to qualify once again for the Indianapolis 500. Again, a rookie try to do it for the legendary four-time race winner. One-time race winner as a car owner, A.J. Foyd. Here comes Benjamin Peterson, Mark. We'll see if he can keep that 55 car at the top of the scoring pylon. Exit of two, exit of four appeared to be the most precarious, but he has handled it well throughout this run off a 232 Six five seven two thirty two point zero two six. Davy, the four lap average two hundred thirty two point six seven one. Yeah, how about that? He beats Will Power by a slight margin, as you said, two thirty two point six seven. Will Power two thirty two point six three. How close? I mean, and we're going to see times like that all day long. We know that he's going to start no worse than eleventh uh, in this field right now. But we have we have the. The faster, the farther we go into this qualifying line, the faster they were qualifying yesterday. So I expect those speeds to continue to increase. But as we talked about, with the heat on the racetrack, even though there's no wind, the heat and track temp make such a big difference in these cars. They just tend to be slowing down a little bit. 11.30 practice session earlier today as we're watching a replay here of Will Powers' run. Looks like he got a little loose at the exit of one. Well, Nick's seen, he's seen him working a little bit hard when that onboard, as he was calling Will Power around the track, and he called it out. Seen that movement of the wheel. Just, uh, you know, car slid just a little bit too much for Will. Had to make up for it just so slightly. and Looked even in turn three that he was uh, gathering that car up just a little bit. So as a result of of the sun continuing to bake this racetrack, Davey, where and how will you notice that? So we're about a three yeah, it does hours a couple. Day. It does a couple things. First of all, you lose downforce. The the heat, the air gets thinner, so that means you lose downforce. Another thing that it does with heat, you don't have a the, the air's not thick. Obviously, it makes the air thinner. Your engine doesn't run as good, so that's another situation. So between the thin air with horsepower and downforce, let's hear from Will Power, Alex Wolf. 232.635 Will Power. Will, how the uh, track and the car feel out there? Uh, it felt pretty good, actually. I think I think we we're about right on downforce, so um, maybe a little off on gear when I pulled the gear too too soon, the, the, the shorter gear, but um, the only bad one we had was a big push out of turn one, but then apart from that, it was very consistent. Uh, congratulations on the run. Best of luck. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. And Marcus Erickson run his run is underway. Nick Yeoman, he takes the green. He's already in the backstretch. Yep, the defending race winner of the Indianapolis 500 did it with uh, leading just 13 laps a year ago. Led the right one, though, lap number 200. Marcus Erickson already in the north end of the racetrack. Streaks by that pit exit lane. Keeps that car nice and high through the short shoot. Erickson enters turn four. And again, so far, Peterson, 232.671. Will Power, you just heard from him, 232.635. Lap 
lap number one from Marcus Erickson is in the books. 233.825. Again, 233.825 for Marcus Erickson. Ran a 233 average yesterday in the first day of qualifying for Marcus Erickson, the driver from Sweden. 32 years old. Husky Ice spreads the sponsorship on that car. Set to make his fifth Indianapolis 500 down the back straightaway. Let's that car slide up towards the outside wall mark as he arcs it into turn three. And he arcs it into turn three, and it's a clean exit. And again, about uh, two feet off of that outside retaining wall in the north short shoot at the exit of four. Washes to the middle of the racetrack, gets it right back to the middle as he crosses the start-finish line. 233-825-233-272. The two-lap average for Marcus Erickson, 233.548. White side pods on that race car. The cockpit and nose cherry red as he roars out of turn number two. Got plenty close to the wall. There's a wheel and wing Indianapolis Motor Speedway logo right there at the exit of turn number two. Kept it off of it. Mark, there's uh, they're everywhere. They're out of turn four, they're through the short shoot. Always want to keep those logos nice and clean. Erickson does it again to the short shoot. And here he comes through turn four. Yeah, keeps the logo on the north end intact. And with no cloud cover today, the sun really dances off of these beautiful race cars. Lap number three is in the books for Marcus Erickson. 232.529, the three-lap average now. 233.207 for Marcus Erickson. This is the uh, first driver we have seen on the racetrack for Chip Ganassi Racing. Chip's team put four into this fast 12, so plenty of opportunities for pole position. We'll see what Marcus Erickson can do into turn three already. It's a fast qualifying effort, Mark. These laps fly by for these drivers in IndyCar. Already setting up for turn number four. The left sides go well below the white line, and he'll guide it back up to the high side of the racetrack and then work it toward the middle maybe toward the bottom half of the straightaway as he crosses the start-finish line. Lap number four, slower, 231.940. The four-lap average for Marcus Erickson, 232.889, the fastest of the three qualifiers so far. Uh, pretty impressive run for Santino Ferrucci, 234-581, 234-229, Nick Gilman, he's in the north end. Yeah, lap number one was a big one for Santino Ferrucci. He took a wide angle through turn number one. I thought he was going to hit the wall, didn't scrub off any speed, Mark. He is lightning quick in that flying American flag car across the line. How about the lap speed for lap three? 233.684, so the three-lap average thus far, 234.164 for Santino Ferrucci. 24-year-old from uh, Wood. Woodbury, Connecticut. Uh, Chevrolet for A.J. Foyt Racing trying to make his fifth Indianapolis 500 again. It's the flying, the stars and stripes for A.J. Foyt Racing. Santino Ferrucci on a flyer mark into turn three. Uh, continuing the relationship between A.J. Foyt Racing and the folks at ABC Supply. They are uh, an associate sponsor on that car. Santino Ferrucci roars out of the north end. 234, 584-231, 233-684, 233.154, the four-lap average, 233.911 miles per hour, the fastest of the qualifiers thus far. Let's go to Scott Sander. Benjamin Peterson promised me during practice that he and Santino talk a lot. They're not competitors today. They are teammates. As soon as you hopped out of your car, Benjamin, you ran down to his pit. What was the exchange of information? Because it seems to have worked. Yeah, just feedback from my run. Obviously, it's pretty hot, so we're just trying to learn as much as possible for, for speed and fall off. So, yeah, we're we're looking pretty good right now. Hopefully, it sticks like that, and, and then we can move on to the fast six. All right, he wants to head back to the smiles, guys. 
Davey Hamilton, pretty impressive run. Continues an impressive weekend for A.J. Foyt. Yeah, it sure does. Absolutely great run by Ferrucci. I mean, he laid some numbers down. I'm, you know, flirting with that 235 with his heat, I think it's pretty darn impressive. I, you know, I have a good feeling about his his chances to not uh, not only to be in the front row, but maybe even that pole position, that 233.911 average. Um, you know, really, really quick. Obviously, the next quickest to him is 232.889 with uh, with Erickson. So, uh, nice little cushion between the two of them. What did you see about the run you liked in terms of the line that he Yeah, took? you know, I mean, I think Nick really spotted out the first corner, first lap, uh, just a little bit high on exit. I think that the turn in may be just a little bit early, and it slid up on exit, but obviously didn't slow him down, that being his fastest lap, but he adjusted from there on for the rest of the, the that lap and the other three and really had a good line. Car looked smooth, looked solid, and, um, man, the number showed it. Let's hear from Marcus Erickson. 232.889 average for the defending champion of the 500. Marcus, how'd the eight-car feel out there on track for your run? Uh, yeah, I thought it felt pretty good. I think we did a good uh, good attempt, you know, a good run. Uh, we've been struggling a little bit all weekend to sort of do four laps consistent, and I think we have a bit too much deck today again, but uh, still a good effort, I thought. Where do you think it's going to stack up? I don't think it will be past six, unfortunately. I think we're missing a bit for that, but uh, still a, a good, a good, uh, a good solid run, and we see, you know, we see what other people do. That's Marcus Erickson. Pato Award takes the green flag. Nick Yeoman already setting up for turn number two. He carries a ton of speed through turn number one, just like Santino Ferrucci, but that car does look stable. Down the back straightaway, black car, the top of it is white, really blends into the racetrack as Pato Award, the driver from Mexico, arcs his way into turn number three. Yeah, thank goodness for the white accents because that uh, allows that car some definition, especially at the top of that arrow screen. Well below the white line at the entrance to turn number four, and he roars it out of the north end, heads to the start-finish line, lap number one of the books, and the speed, 234.340. Again, 234.340. Uh, Aero Electronics Mission Foods, the sponsorship on that car for the 24-year-old from Monterey, Mexico, because he's quickly become one of the most popular drivers in all of IndyCar. Great personality and certainly likes to stand on it. Pato Award into turn number three. The line looks really solid. It lets that car eat. Gets right up against the wall in the short shoot. It's the fast way around. Here comes Award out of four. Staying in championship contention by being the proverbial bridesmaid several times throughout the course of the early part of this season. A lot of second place finishes. Lap number two, 233.612. The two-lap average, 233.975. So he loses about seven-tenths of a mile per hour from lap one to lap two. We'll see what the falloff is for lap number three. That four-lap average he's shooting for for Santino Ferrucci is 233.9. Pato Award already to the north end of the racetrack. Quickly becoming a fan favorite of the NTT IndyCar Series, and he draws crowds no matter where he goes. His uh, paddock uh, area, one of the most popular in the paddock of the NTT IndyCar Series, off at 233.612. Lap number three for Award. 232.813. The three-lap average now, 233.586. Yeah, trending in the wrong direction to knock Ferrucci off that top spot, but still strong for Pato Award. Boy, he got close to that wall in turn number two. Let's that car slide down the back straightaway. These drivers put it right planted in the middle of the racetrack, then swinging wide to make it into turn three. Setting up for turn number four for the final time. He's about 12 inches or so off the outside retaining wall of that north shore. 
short shoot and about the same distance at the exit at turn number four. Gets it back to the middle of the racetrack. That's where he parks it as he drives it across the start-finish line. Lap number four, 232.162. Davey, the four-lap average, 233.229. Actually, a really good run for, for Pato. Not what he wants to see. I don't, I, you know, I think that's going to be really close to keep him in that fast six. Uh, I think Ferrucci's in really good shape, and, and you see the smile on his face right now, but that that is going to be right on the cuff to keep uh, a ward in the fast six. Uh, so, Nick Yeoman, recap the five qualifiers we've had so far. Five fastest, or uh, so five cars we've had out so far. Santino, Ferrucci the fastest right now at 233.911, then a large margin, nearly seven-tenths of a mile per hour faster than the other four. Pato Award currently sits second. Marcus Erickson is third. Fourth is the rookie Benjamin Peterson, and then Wilf Power, uh, the first one out of the racetrack, the slowest of the five. Once we get to Kumasato qualified, Mark, then we'll start to see the bumping and who will uh, start in rows three and four come next Sunday. A couple of grizzled veterans coming up at the Kumasato and Tony Kanad, Davey, and one of those, Tony Kanad, did not turn laps this Yeah, morning. that's going to be an interesting one with Tony not making laps, but he had a teammate, first one out, Pato Ward, finds himself second right now, that 233-229. Uh, I'm not sure why Tony's car didn't go out. The only one that didn't in the top 12, but uh, we'll see how he does. Let's hear from Santino Ferrucci. Huge smiles at the end of that run from you and your crew. Describe it for us. Yeah, it was definitely a long four laps. I want to say a fast four laps, maybe not long, but um, that was that was pretty spectacular. To be able to do that, put this car that far ahead into, into the lead and provisional uh, front, you know, we want that pull so bad. We want to break the record. We want to make history, and today may be that day. He's got a clear set of goals. For sure, a clear set of goals. And the run is underway for Takuma Sato already in the south end. Did anybody else sit up in their chair a little bit taller when Takuma Sato's on the racetrack in Indianapolis? There's no doubt. Always fun to watch this Japanese driver, two-time champion of this event, qualify. Out of turn number two, uh, very planted to the racetrack. No problems with turn two on lap number one. We'll see how he does at the north end mark as Takuma Sato. Going to make his 14th Indianapolis 500. We'll see where he starts when we drop the green flag. That initial lap showed a little bit. It looked like a conservative exit off of turn number two. He was a little bit further off the outside retaining wall than we see most. We'll see what impact that had, if any, on the run. Pretty good lap, 233.907. Again, for Sato, 233.907. Yeah, not quite in that 234 range, but, boy, that is still awfully fast. Takuma Sato rockets his way out of turn number two. Again, his best start in the Indianapolis 500. He has a front row start, did it in 2020, went on to win that race. Sato with that black, white, and green car already through the short shoot in between three and four. Looking to join that three-time winner's club is Takuma Sato. He roars out of the north end right to the middle of the racetrack. Lap number one, 233.907. Lap number two, 233.411. 233.411. Pretty consistent, Nick. The two-lap average, 233.659. At turn one, the angle of entry a little off as he had to slide it up the racetrack. He caught it, though, and then accelerates out of turn number two. This is lap number three for Takuma Sato. You're right, Mark. It's been consistent so far. We'll see what he can do at lap number three. Already exiting the third corner. The line looks pretty good for Takuma Sato. Yeah, it just doesn't take long. 38 seconds and some change to get themselves around this story. Two and a half mile oval. Lap number two was at 233.411. Lap number three is in the books for Takuma Sato. 232.817. 
That means the three-lap average, Nick, will dip to 233.378. And, boy, again, in uh, turn number one, just haven't liked the line of that race car. I think that's where he lost the speed on lap number three. And here on lap four, also, it was a wide angle through the corner. So Sato scrubbing off some speed. Of course, he finds it again on the back straightaway, peaking at 239 miles per hour. But we will see where it all shakes out for Takuma Sato. Mark, here he comes out of turn four to complete his qualifying run. Lap number three was 232. 2.817 takes the checker. Black number four is in the books for Takuma Sato. 232.262. The four lap average, 233.098. Our third fastest qualifier as preparations continue for the 107th Indianapolis 500. Hey, race fans, it's Pato Award. The first episodes of 100 Days to Indy are available now on the CW app. And mark your calendars for the next live episode this Thursday at 9 p.m. Eastern on the CW. Tony Ganon on track right now. Pato Award with a 233.229 as he watches that run. And Pato, what was the run like for you on track? Uh, I was getting a little wiggly there. I think we missed the balance slightly. Um... The conditions are as hot as we've ever run this uh, this past week. Uh, the wind has calmed down a, a lot calmer than what it was yesterday, so that's a that's a plus. Uh, so hopefully this is good enough to get us into the fast six and we can uh, make it a little bit better for our next attempt. So Pato Award intently watches his teammate. Tony Kanad brings the crowd to their feet. Lap number one, 234.001, setting up for turn number two. Yeah, you heard it. I did too, Mark. A good pop from the crowd here on the front straightaway for Tony Kanad, the veteran set to make his 22nd and final Indianapolis 500. And what an opening lap. Already into turn number three, that orange and black car darts its way through the short shoot. Tony Kanad appears to be on a flyer here out of turn four. And again, one of the 12 to be in the fast 12, but did not take practice laps today. 234, 001, 233.543. The four lap average, or the two lap average, dips to 233.772. Finished third in this race a year ago, driving for Chip Ganassi. Moved from one power team over to another. This is a one off effort. The only race of the season for Tony Kanan, and again, the final of his fantastic career. Driving for Arrow McLaren. Tony Kanan already into turn three. Fascinating to watch that car drift off of turn number two through the middle of the racetrack and then they got it right back to the high side get to the bottom of the apex they do the same thing through three and four and then the exit right back to the middle of the racetrack matter of fact moves it toward the inside retaining wall lap number three 232.967 three lap average for Tony Gannon 233.503 pretty significant wiggle out of turn number one here on lap number four in fact that car looked like it was moving around a little bit on him through turn number two as well so Tony Gannon kind of wrangling a bull right now here in qualifying already into turn number three mark lap four looks a little unstable for the Brazilian yeah no question the rear end of that car appeared to wiggle a little bit upon entry we'll see if it's more stable upon exit at turn number four looks pretty smooth at the exit as he points it toward the start finish line off at 232.967 lap number four 231.806 so Davey Hamilton a monster opening lap at 234.001 then down to a 231.806 he's fourth quick for now 
with a four-lap average of 233.076. I think you'll say that ride was a handful. Yeah, it was a handful. I, I, the, I, the tires started going away, or the bounce of that car at the end was just not good. And as Nick said, we both cringed as he, you know, the back end started to come around, and the front end slid, and the back, he caught it two or three times there in turn one. That was not a fun ride for Tony Kanaan. He was just thankful that was the fourth and final lap, that's for sure. Fell down to that third position at 233.076. Not where he wanted to be by any stretch. Started off good, but went bad. 20-plus years of experience uh, around here, and I would say that he relied on every inch of that experience (laughs) over 20 years on that run. And we continue to say that you know a lot of these uh, drivers in this fast 12, if your car is like that, it's how long can you hold your breath because you're absolutely on the very edge uh, of disaster, and these drivers are going to get paid big, and they're getting paid big, and they're earning it today. And, Nick Yeoman, that result means that Santino Ferrucci has plans for a little bit later on today. How about that? 34 cars, about a dozen teams in IndyCar racing, and the first one locked in to run for pole for the Indianapolis 500 is out of A.J. Foyt Racing. And we got to put a little more respect on that name. Santino, Mark, going to have a shot at the pole later today. So, Davey Hamilton, PNC Bank, Scott Dixon going through his warm-up laps, and this is the one that everybody says has been sandbagged. Yeah, well, you and I don't buy it. I, I don't know what a sandbag is around here, but Scott Dixon could pull out. A, he never sandbags, but I think he can pull out a little magic when it comes to qualifying at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway as he comes across that start-finish line for the green flag, pokes it down in turn one. I expect big things. Now, his teammate, Sato, he's currently third right now, 233.098, the average. I expect... A little information floated down towards Scott's way um, just from Sato just to try to improve his situation a little bit, and I expect him to be in this top six. Again, Scott Dixon on lap number one. He points it into the north end. He's about six to eight inches or so off of that outside retaining wall in the north short chute. Uh, the familiar exit off of turn number four, just a few inches off of that outside retaining wall, gets it to the middle of the racetrack, lap number one, 234.342 miles per hour for Scott Dixon into the south end. A year ago, had a 234-mile-per-hour average that now stands as the all-time pole record. So Scott Dixon knows his way around 234-mile-per-hour laps, so no surprise to see him do it on lap number one. Down the back straightaway in that blue and orange PNC Bank Honda for Chip Ganassi Racing, 42 years old. Scott Dixon through the short shoot, headed to turn four. Anxious to see if that tire dig that may have affected Tony Kanaan and others after a big monster lap will have the same impact on Scott Dixon. Off at 234-342. Lap number two, 233.887. The two-lap average still in the 234s. This one, 234-114. Yeah, it's a great point, Mark, for racing novices. The hotter the racetrack, the more that those tires are going to cook when you pound them against the pavement, even if it's for just a four-lap, 10-mile run. Scott Dixon, halfway down the backstretch, he's done this 20 times before. Mark, is he set to make his 21st Indy 500? And trying to set on pole again, 234.342. Lap number two for Scott Dixon, 233.887. Across the yard of bricks. The speed report on lap number three for Scott Dixon, 232.814. The four-lap average, or three-lap average, I should say, dips now to 233.679. He lost a full mile per hour, and watching the onboard shot, his hands having to kind of wrestle that steering wheel through turn number two. He can point it straight down the back straightaway, but then has to bend that steering wheel to the left to set up for turn number three. And again, Mark, they see that thing bouncing, chasing up the racetrack. Scott Dixon, though, keeps it 
off the wall into turn four. 234-342-233-887. Lap number three, 232.814. Lap number four for Scott Dixon, 232.687. The four-lap average, 233.430. Second fastest for Scott Dixon. Let's go to Scott Sander. Takuma Sato was watching that run very closely. Uh, what happened in your run that went well? Where did you struggle? Um, well, it looks like uh, after the Marcus run, we decided to go to the consistency of the old four laps. And uh, now um, Scott went to the um, pretty good, great laps. So um, obviously uh, we need to see, look at the data, but uh, he did great, uh, great lap. Takuma Sato is going to watch the rest of these. He's still got a real good chance at the top six. And Nick Yeoman, give us a roll call of the eighth that have attempted to qualify thus far. Yeah, with that run, Scott Dixon also secures himself a spot uh, in the Fast Six, the Firestone Fast Six, later today. It'll be him and Santino Ferrucci. They're the two fastest so far. Ferrucci at 233.911. Dixon at 233.430. Next driver that'll get bumped in would be Pato Award, who's currently third. Fourth right now is Takuma Sato. Fifth is Tony Kanaan, sixth Marcus Erickson, seventh Benjamin Peterson, and eighth is Will Power Mark with four qualifiers left to go. I'm uh, lucky to be out on course at this point right now, Davey, going through his warm-up laps as Renus VK after an early end of his day with some mechanical issues. Yeah, going to be an interesting run right here with, with VK. Uh, you know, we've seen some smoke coming out of that VK car in the practice session. He really, he virtually got no laps either um, this morning. And the good news was we talked to Ed Carpenter, and he was able to say nothing wrong with the motor, just to replace a part, and we'll go. Alex Wolf, Tony Kanaan with that run, 233.076. Davey Hamilton said that as that run went on, it was looking like a handful out of field in the cockpit. It was. I mean, but we tried, right? We had to try it, so uh, it was not easy. It was very sketchy, but I mean, we're already in the top 12, so I said we have nothing to lose. Let's try it. And uh, obviously, uh, yesterday worked. Today didn't. So uh, we'll see what's going to happen. I think we're going to be probably eighth or ninth. I mean, uh, it is what it is. Well, whatever happens, best of luck. Thank you. Renus VK, green flag run, and he sets up for turn number three. And again, this one, uh, very interesting. We'll see if they got everything buttoned up on that Chevrolet for Ed Carpenter Racing, but this young man has been electrifying fans for the last several years. Has not started worse than fourth in his Indy 500 starts. Rocket Renus, already out of turn number one. And setting up for the yard of bricks is Renus VK, 234.505 miles per hour. A good first lap for Renus VK, already in the south end. All right, I'd say that engine's just fine. That Chevrolet power plant for Ed Carpenter Racing. Renus VK out of turn number two. Left a couple feet uh, from the turn two wall. Nice and fast and smooth. Down the back straightaway. Nose of that gold machine. Bitnile, the sponsorship. Renus VK, the Dutchman, out of turn three. Yeah, the gold accents on that car really pop under this bright sunshine of the Hoosier sky, and then it fades into white as you get toward the rear of it. It is a cool-looking race car, and it's bad fast right now. Off a of 230 504. Lap number two, 234.012. The two-lap average, 234.258. Back-to-back 234-mile-per-hour laps for the Dutchman Renus VK. Last year started on the outside of the front row, did that in 2021 as well. So he knows his way around the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, roaring by the golf course, already setting up for turn three. Yeah, he is poised to have a monster run here, Renus VK. 234.505. Lap number two, 
234.012. He points it out of the north end. So far, the two-lap average, 234.258. Lap number three is in the books for Rita's VK. 233.544. The three-lap average dips to 234.020. Boy, he may be giving those Firestone tires a beating, but they can handle it and soak in this race car, soak in this driver. Renus VK, nice and smooth out of turn number two. Have yet to see that car wiggle, Mark. It's fast and it's planted as he sweeps his way into turn three. And again, he zips it through the north end, a clean exit off of turn number three. He is well off that outside retaining wall, the north short chute. Left sides go well below the white line to the apex of the turn. The familiar exit out of turn number four gets to the yard of bricks off at 233.544. Lap number four, 233.147. The fall off drops it down to 233.801. Second quick still to Santino Ferrucci at 233.801 as qualifying continues for the 107th Indianapolis 500. Alex Blow on the track, Scott Dixon in the pits. Uh, tell me about your run. It does lock you in. You'll be in a fast stick. Yeah, it was uh, it was good. Like I think we went pretty aggressive. You know, we uh, we definitely trimmed a bit more than the other guys, and then uh, it was on the limit, man. Both downforce level and balance. It was pretty loose for the last two and a half laps. So um, yeah, we were trying to get there, and then we'll see what uh, see what we can do in the fast six. But there's definitely some uh, some pretty big cars out there. Big adjustments, or you sit with what you got and go. Uh, I don't think there's big adjustments left. You know, it's going to be all smaller stuff right now, but we'll do the best that we can. We'll see what Alex Pelot's doing, too. Scott Dixon. Uh, well, he's going fast. 234.812, Nick Yeoman, as he sets up for turn number three. Yeah, Mark, I saw someone ask you on Twitter who you thought might win the poll, and uh, your pick looking pretty quick on lap number one. What a lap for Alex Pelot. 234.8. He's already out of turn number four, Mark. Can he back it up on lap two? I hesitate to do that because I normally jinx drivers <laughs> when I pick them to win races or set on pole. 234.812. Lap number two, 234.134. The two-lap average, Nick Yeoman. 234.472. Yeah, this is a monster run for the 26-year-old from Barcelona, Spain. Driving a Honda for Chip Ganassi Racing, American Legion, the sponsorship, white side pods, blue cockpit for Alex Pelot. So strong over the years here at Indianapolis. Despite only having three starts, Mark, he is fast. Here comes Pelot to the short shoot at three and four. Yeah, the design, the scheme of that car is so very simplistic, but boy, I tell you what, it is a sweet-looking race car, and it's looking awfully fast right now. Off of turn number four, off of 234.134, lap number three, 233.264, Nick Yeoman. That causes the three-lap average to slip to 234.068. Yeah, and it takes it out of range to threaten Dixon's record pole run a year ago. Nice angle out of turn number two, letting that car eat at corner exit. Pelot carrying plenty of speed down the back straightaway. Full song into turn number three. Mark gets up to 240 miles an hour. And again, monster lap on lap number one, 234.812, and then it inches backwards slowly, 234.134, 233. 364. He crosses the start finish line. Lap number four, 232.916. The four lap average, third fastest, 233.779. Davey? Yeah, you know, uh, the situation with the Ganassi cars, I feel right now, is the consistency of the laps. They just drop too much towards the end. Obviously, a monster lap, 234.8. Uh, Flirting with that 235 mile an hour range, very, very impressive. But you have to get that fourth lap a little bit quicker. They're going to have one.
one more shot. Both the Dixon and Pillow are going to have another shot to do that in the fast six. And Nick Yeoman, a couple of fast cars yet to go. Yeah, the uh, final two that are going to go out of the racetrack, uh, the two fastest yesterday, uh, Alexander Rossi and Felix Rosenquist. With the run, Alex Pillow, it was good enough to lock him in. So, Mark, four of the six that will run for the pole to, uh, later this afternoon, Scott Dixon, Alex Pillow, Renus VK, and again, the story continues to be fastest driver so far in this first round of qualifying, A.J. Foyt Racing, Santino Ferrucci. And want to offer a quick welcome back to our former driver, analyst Anders Grohn, who's now working with his best friend, Steph Wilson. And uh, Anders, congratulations to you. Got a pretty easy day for you guys, huh? Not easy in the slightest. Not easy in the slightest. It was so stressful. And, and uh, I think we were in a position where we were competitive enough to be in the field, but we wanted more. So we, uh, we did three runs yesterday. But uh, obviously... You know, today I feel a bit of deja vu to a couple of years ago when I witnessed probably the greatest sporting event in the world for me, which was watching Kyle Kaiser fight against Fernando Alonso. And today has a little bit of that same feel to it, that uh, something monumental is going to happen. And, uh, yep, but yes, I'm glad that we're not on track today. Well, I know yesterday wasn't easy. I said today's much easier for you guys. For sure, yeah. Yes, yes. See, that's why you're back, Davey. That's why we moved on from Anderson. Well, I've I've never been known to to focus on the details, you know, uh, especially of your words. Mark James. Let's hear from Renus VK, Alex Wolf. Well, Renus, this morning the car lost power during that morning practice, but you sure found it with that 233-801. Take us through the run. Yeah, that was uh, that was a good run. Uh, very consistent and, uh, you know, first of all, thank you to the 21 ECR Bidnell crew. You know, uh, it was amazing. You know, we, uh, we had a tough morning. Uh, did not expect to have that, but, you know, everyone stayed calm. Everyone worked hard and you know, we're we're through to the fast six, so uh, no, I'm I'm happy. And f- from now on, you know, there's no pressure anymore because you know, worst case scenario, I'm sixth. We'll see what Renus VK can do a little bit later today. And we are watching Alexander Rossi put his car through the paces, and he was uh, the fastest most of the day yesterday until Felix Rosenquist decided otherwise. Nick Yeoman, lap number one for Alexander Rossi, 234.041 miles per hour. And again, not the big 234.8 first lap that we just saw from Alex Pillow, but if the McLaren cars are a little bit more consistent than the Ganassi cars, this could still be a big run. Alexander Rossi already into turn at number three, 31 years old, Mark from California. And the number they're shooting for right now to best is 233.098. Takuma Sato is currently sixth fastest. Ferrucci, VK, Pelo, Dixon, Award, and Sato in the fast six for now. Lap number two, 233.559. The two-lap average, 233.800 for Alexander Rossi. Rossi ripped down the front straightaway through the pollen that's uh, accumulated in the air on the front stretch here at Indianapolis, but that's not going to slow him down. Plenty of speed for this driver for Arrow McLaren. He'll peak up at a 241 miles per hour into turn number three. Alexander Rossi hauling the mail through the short shoot. Bit of a wiggle there, Mark, at the exit of three. Yeah, looks good at the north end and then gathered it back in at the bottom of the racetrack and then less it wash up high at the exit of turn number four, back toward the inside of the front straightaway. Lap number three, 233.013. Nick, that puts the three-lap average at 233.537. Boy, had a wide angle out of turn number one as he's going to be razor close to being on the edge of being fast enough to get into the second round, but uh, scrubbed off quite a bit of speed out of turn number one. He'll gather it back up in that all-orange McLaren uh, painted to look like Johnny Rutherford's winning car from the 70s. Alexander Rossi, Mark, trying to be a two-time winner at the Indy 500. 234.041 lap 
number one, lap two, 233.559. Lap number three, 233.013 for Alexander Rossi. Lap four, 231.840. But Davey, just fast enough at 233.110. He's sixth fastest bumping Sato to P7. Yeah, sure is. Going to bump. Uh, he's on the bubble right now, and that's all going to be about his teammate, Alex uh, Felix Rosenquist, to see if he can bump uh, Rossi out of that top six. We know it's going to be a McLaren car in there one way or another with uh, with Rossi. Anders Krohn, there's razor thin, and then there's this level of insanity. It's crazy how tight this thing is. And, and it's just... It feels like something's happened in the offseason to just make things this, this much more close. Because, I mean, even we were looking, you know, we were P25 yesterday. Two, you know, two-tenths of a mile an hour gains you three positions. You know, so so it, it really is the margins are closer than they've ever been. And, and it's just phenomenal. And, and I think the, the recipients of this is obviously the fans. They get to see, you know, the closest racing we've ever seen here at the Speedway. Uh, in typical Steph Wilson fa- uh, fashion, he was a little hard on himself yesterday. Felt like he made a couple of mistakes here and there. But I, I think all in all, it was an important day for you guys to get that thing solidly in the show, and he did that. It was, but I was so happy that he was mad at himself because yeah. he felt like for, you know, finally had a fighting chance. And so that one little, little mistake, yes, it, it cost us a little bit, but, uh, you know, he, he's got a proper shot this year. And, and I tell you, we've been so thrilled with working with Dry and Reinwald Racing. It, it's been it's been phenomenal. Let's hear from Alex Below. If things ended now, he'd be on the front row, but it doesn't end now. He's got to make another race run a lot like that one. He smiles now. What went well? How do you repeat it here in a couple of hours? Um, our target was to get into a fast six. We made it, so that went really well. Uh, the speed of the car is there. Um, and it's super tight, as, as we expected, and as we know that it's going to be in the fast six. So, um, yeah, pretty confident. Hopefully you can make a couple of adjustments now uh, in the gap that we have before fast six and try and fight for pole. You look like you love this. Oh, yeah, it's it's pretty, pretty crazy because we're just trying to beat each other, trimming the car as much as possible. The car is sliding. The first lap is great. Uh, and then it gets tougher and tougher until you get to the last lap and it's just endless. So, um, yeah, hopefully you can get a bit more speed and, and, as I said, try and fight for pole, but it's going to be tough. A fight, just a description of qualifying in Indianapolis. Alex Blow. Uh, Felix Rosenquist, green flag flies for him, already setting up for the north end, Nick. Yep, rocketing his way through turn number three and four. Felix Rosenquist yesterday, Mark. Got everybody to stand up and pay attention. It was a four-lap average of 233.947. Last run of this first round. Lap number one is in the books for Felix Rosenquist. 234.534 miles per hour. Again, 234.534 for Felix Rosenquist. And can't illustrate it enough that uh, for folks here at the Speedway that maybe tune in and watch IndyCar racing on television, these drivers make it look so much easier than it really is. First lap stable, and as Alex Pelot described, it becomes a bit of a handful. Right now for Felix Rosenquist, though, Mark, that car looks planted to the racetrack, exiting the north end of the speedway. Again, we'll see if we get a monster first lap and then a fall-off through the four, or perhaps maybe he's opting to try to go for some consistency off of 234-534. Lap number two, 234.220. Nick, 
The two-lap average, 234.377. Yeah, two really stout, excellent, and consistent laps for Felix Rosenquist, and that may be what it takes to win the pole a little bit later today. 31 years old from Sweden, set to make his fifth Indianapolis 500, halfway down the back straightaway, already starting to dart that car into turn number three. Mark is a good run going for Felix Rosenquist. He doesn't appear to be using all of the racetrack, at least upon entry to turn number three. Tightens up a little bit to that outside retaining wall that the short shoot in the north end. Middle of the racetrack to complete lap number three at the start-finish line, 233.950. The three-lap average, Nick, 234.234. Mark, we're used to seeing drop-off on typical runs around a half a mile per hour. For Rosenquist, it's right at about three-tenths. This is a stellar run for the driver from Sweden. That car, orange and white, car number six into turn number three. Mark, he is poised to maybe put it right back where he left it yesterday, and that's at the top of the fame scoring pylon. Here comes Rosenquist out of turn number four. And again, waited till late in the day to flex his muscle to go P1 yesterday. What'd he do today? Lap number four, 233.623. Davey Hamilton, good for P1. The four-lap average, 234.081. How about Felix Rosenquist? Yeah, what, he, two days in a row, he really has came at the end and, and made sure that he's a fast car. Frucci got a smile on his face. He knows he has another opportunity to try to beat him. These fast six, it's going to be exciting because they could all be mixed up. Throw them in a bag, erase these times, and let's start it all over again. Nick Yeoman? Last year's pole run for Scott Dixon was 234.046. That one eclipsed it for uh, Felix Rosenquist. It's not a pole run. He's going to have to do it again. But that 234.081, Mark, that's one of the fastest four-lap averages we have ever seen here at IMS. Qualifying continues for the 107th running of the Indianapolis 500. Well, the fast six is set, Davey Hamilton, Felix Rosenquist, Santino Ferrucci, Renus VK, Alex Below, Scott Dixon, Pato Award. Yeah, it's going to be a great shootout. Now, uh, we know how most of the field's set, but this first two rows going to be another shootout right here. This, this is what makes this fun. This format, so different than we've seen in the past. Some like, so don't. But this is excitement right now. And I'll tell you. That A.J. Foyt, Ed Carpenter with each car in. you got two McLaren and two Ganassi trying to fight it out. And Rosenquist, he's done it twice now. He's fast as yesterday. He's fast today. But, man, you can't count any of those six out of trying to be on the pole this race. Anders, what I found interesting during our qualifying show yesterday is that at the end of the day, we were essentially following two storylines. Those that didn't want any part of that last row shootout and those trying to get into the fast well, both were going on at the same time. Yeah, it was just a phenomenal show. And I think credit to IndyCar for coming up with this qualifying system because it's just so exciting now all day long. You know, you have, as as you said, these kind of ongoing storylines. And uh, yeah, today is going to be heartbreak for someone. And really, when you you look at the people that are in the in the last row shootout, I mean, every single one of them deserves to be in the race. So uh but hey, that, that's that's why we're, why we're here. That's why we love this sport is sometimes there's a bit of heartbreak and, and that makes it all the better. And as Davey and I talked about, you know, if you're one of four or five going home, that doesn't sting as much, Anders, as it does when you're the only one going I, home. I had the same exact conversation with one of our partners actually up, up in the suite, you know, when we were going, getting ready to go qualify yesterday. It's like, yeah, if you are the one that's going home, that, that stings just that little bit more. But I tell you what, I think everyone in the paddock expected the ones to be going home to be RC Eners and Enable Motorsports just by the fact that that program came together and it, it it was just such an incredible thing to see them lock themselves in do one single run and that was good enough and and now you have some you know some massive players in the field 
you know, on, on the bubble. So Nick Gilman, who did not get into the fast six, but who will still have good starting positions for the 500. Yeah, so when we drop the green flag uh, a week from today, row number three, we'll see Alexander Rossi starting in the seventh position. To his outside will be Takuma Sato starting eighth, and the veteran Tony Kanan in ninth. How about that row? That's, uh, uh, what, four baby Borgs. And in row number four, it'll be the eight car of Marcus Erickson, Benjamin Peterson, and Will Power. Let's go to Scott Sander. There's about 35 people in orange shirts with huge smiles right now. Felix, your thoughts about your run and what still is ahead in terms of accomplishments for today? I mean, it's just huge effort from the team. I don't know exactly how the order came in the end, but uh, I just want to thank my teammates and, uh, you know, for, for kind of leading the way in that in that session. It was really helpful info for us being out last, so big thanks to them. Uh, big thanks to Team Chevy. Uh, it's just a uh, you know, we, we put our forces together for, for this quality, and it's just been a phenomenal car to drive balance-wise as well. Uh, but, yeah, we don't want to celebrate yet. We, we still have the most important one left. And, uh, yeah, man, it, it's kind of a torture to have to go out again, but it car feels so good, so I'm not really worried about it. But it's uh, things can change, and we have some really, really fast competitors. Cars rolling back as we speak. We'll let Felix Rosenquist go back as well and uh, send it over to Alex. With Alexander Rossi, Felix's teammate, a 233-110 average. With that, a track of heating up. How much did the seven-car change in the course of those 10 miles? Uh, yeah, I mean, it was. It just wasn't a great run for us. We didn't get the balance quite where we needed to. Um, but that's okay. You know, we got, uh, like, we all know that we got four cars in the top 12, which is great. And we have two cars fighting for pole. So that's it's an amazing accomplishment for the team. And um, hopefully, you know, an Aero McLaren Chevy can be on pole. But, um, yeah, I mean... What are we inside? I can do math inside of row three. Like that's fine. You know that's uh, that's plenty far enough forward to, to have a great day here in a week. Yeah, I mean for one thing, the, the car that it's painted up like one from the tenth row back in the seventies. So it's certainly the inside of the third row can do that. Now as you got out of the car, Tony Kanan ran down, was talking to you for a little bit. Just the chemistry that you've had with Tony. What's it been like having somebody with that much knowledge, almost in a, in a sort of mentorship role for you? That's no, good. I mean, I think that all four drivers have a great have a great relationship. So um, you know, you you push each other, and uh, you hope everyone can uh, be successful at the end of the day. Look forward to seeing what you can do next week. Best of luck. Thanks. Let's pause 10 seconds for stage identification. This is the Indianapolis Motor Speedway Radio Network. Uh, welcome back to the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. Fast six is set for later today. Felix Rosenquist, Santino Ferrucci, Rita BK, Alex Malo, Scott Dixon, and Pato Award, Davey Hamilton, Mark James, Nick Gilman. Happy to be joined by Anders Krohn and Anders uh, I had uh, some conversations with uh, Tom Blattler about uh, uh, Ryan Hunter-Ray earlier this week, and uh, one of the things that he said that kind of since the deal for Ryan Hunter-Ray was when he finally had the opportunity to uh, to visit that race shop and see how they do things. It's just incredible. I mean, Steph and I went back to their shop in, in December of last year after we'd concluded the deal, and just seeing how diligent they are about every step of preparation, they leave no stone unturned, and... and uh, you know, I, I think we showed here in qualifying that we're we're going to be a contender with with both cars, and uh, no, it, it, they they do things right. I think they identified a couple of years ago that they had struggled in qualifying, and they wanted to uh, they wanted to tweak that, and and so they put a lot of effort into that, and and uh, you know, it, it starts from the top, and and when you have the team owner Dennis Reinwald at every single pit stop practice 
and even so much so that he's been helping coach Stefan on, you know, in, in the pit box, out of the pit box. You know, it shows the attention to detail and uh, yeah, it, it's just been it's just been awesome. So hopefully we have a we have a good race day on Sunday. Well, a lot of times it, when you put it together, an effort like this, you have to search high and low. And sometimes personnel is an issue. Not necessarily the case in this regard because Dennis keeps guys busy year-round. Yeah, it's just continuity is, is king. And I think you, you see it with the big teams, and, and you don't often have that uh, you know privilege in an Indy 500 effort. But that is exactly what Dryan Reinbold Racing has, has been able to do. So kind of the combination of, of Dryan Reinbold and, and Cusick Motorsports has, has so far been, been very good. And we'll see where we end up after Sunday. But it's it's been very enjoyable and uh, you know, we feel like we've been in with a with a shot this whole this whole week or month or however long it's been since we were first on track. And Davey Hamilton, as you and I discussed, and we've started reeling off the names over the years. I mean, let's face it, these guys, Steph Wilson and Ryan Hunter Ray, continue to add to an impressive roster of drivers that Dennis Reinbold has brought here over Dennis the years. Dennis has had a lot of drivers in that camp. And by the way, um, he, he's one of the, one of the most honest guys that you can ever uh, ever meet and ever deal with what he says he's going to do he does and and it's like i said he's definitely integrated in this team to make sure that he has the proper people when he went from a full-time team to an indy 500 only team nobody got laid off nobody got fired he kept every one of them kept them busy doing other ventures and he's into some other race series as well but dennis wants to win this race you know that's nothing with dennis he came to the indycar series he wins the very first race he was ever right. in, but he hasn't won one since. And he even told me, he goes, well, I won the first race. I got, well, this is going to be easy. It's pretty, you know, <laughs> and, and, and that hasn't been able to win it again. But with the history that not only he, but his entire family has at this speedway, he's still hungry. He still wants to win. He he doesn't give up. And, and every year he brings quality cars. And, and as we see, those cars, if you go down and look at them compared to everybody else's, they are absolutely premier. Their body fits are outstanding. Everything that you see on those race cars are winning-looking race cars. He has, as you mentioned, the last few years, been struggle qualifying. They've been good in the race. We've seen Sage Cameron in the past few years drive his way to the front of this field with that team, but just struggled qualifying. Still working on it, not where they want to be, obviously, in qualifying, but still solidly in the field. It's not like they're having to, to fight it out today. They're all relaxing and enjoying their time. And you can win this race from anywhere, and he has two drivers that are pumped up and ready to go. Uh, so, Anders, uh, you kept the seat warm for a couple of years for Davey Hamilton, and then uh, when Davey came back, uh, to kind of update us on uh, what you've been doing since and what you're doing now. Yeah, it's uh, it's been a busy couple of years. I've uh, you know continued to work with with Cusick Motorsports. That really kicked off at the at the 2021 Indy 500 with with Stefan Wilson and and uh, then Don Cusick, our, our founder and CEO, decided that this is something he wants to. Uh, wants to really build and and i think we've had some some really good success commercially uh, adding to our partner roster over the last couple of years this year we have 23 different partner companies with us at the at the indy 500 uh, and on your note about body fit uh <laughs> davy it's funny that jake the painter said he'd ne- never painted on so many logos <laughs> on a race car before <laughs> so i probably owe him a, a few beers for making him go through that but yeah that the, the car is ac- absolutely immaculate but uh, yeah the, the cusick motorsports thing has, has really been the the lion's share of my focus over the last couple of years and and it's just awesome to see it take shape and and fantastic that we now have the partnership that we do with uh, with ryan reinbold racing and 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 all the partners supporting us so uh been spending more and more time in, in norway my my homeland as well over, over the last year and and i've actually spent more time over there than than here lately but uh 
always great to be back here, and uh, hopefully I'll be doing that for the foreseeable future. Well, in just a couple of years that you've been gone, you know, while we were off air, we wanted a group photo taken, and Nick Yeoman had forgotten about the fact that you simply cannot leave your phone unattended around Anders Krohn. He's been busy deleting pictures off his phone. Mark, we, we posed for like six seconds for the photo, and that's how quick he was. Lightning quick to get my phone, and yeah, was able to snap off. Usually it was like 300, 400 photos. I was able to grab it away from him. He only got about 30, but that's 30 so, more photos of Anders than I wanted. So, Davey, it's nice to have an adult as a driver. Yes. Hey, yeah, that's let's, right. let's go downstairs uh, here from Catherine Leg. <laughs> go ahead, Alex. Well, we're joined by one of the big stories from yesterday in qualifying, Catherine Leg and Gasoline Alley. And, Catherine, first off, we talked to you after that a qualifying run, and your hands were still shaking a couple of minutes later. And as that uh, clock wound down, did you ever want time to hit 5.50 sooner in all your life? Um, you know what? It was, uh, it was a lot of stress yesterday, but now, yeah, I'm relaxed and I'm ready to go again. When that got done uh, and you've made the field in that 30th position, uh, when it got into Saturday night, how many uh, text messages and uh, well wishes did you have on your phone? Um, a lot, honestly, but it was great, and I'm so grateful for all the support. And your return, I know you're, you're tired of hearing the questions about 10 years ago and can't promise that's the last of them, but certainly we'll try to limit them. But just to be able to come back after all the time away and, and just uh, be able to come back and make the field, uh, what's that just been like, the experience this week? You know, it's uh, it's been really neat. It's been uh, an experience kind of getting back into it and getting to know how everything works again and just learning it all over again. But it's been a really great experience overall. With learning it all over again in those ensuing years, it seemed like every year uh, for a few years there'd be talk, you, your name would be attached to a potential program. Did, did there start to become a point where you had thought that this race had uh, become a part of your past or did you always have that belief that one day you'd be back here? Um, I always, I think I always thought I'd be back. I always tried to come back and I always wanted to be back, right? But you have to be back in the in the right car and in the right program. So I was fighting for that opportunity more than anything, I think. Now, instead of talking about 10 years ago, we talk about next Sunday. Of course, you're back on track uh, tomorrow for practice, Friday for carp day. Now, as we look ahead to a race day, what's the sort of a goals that you've set for yourself on the 44 car? Yeah, um, I honestly will be happy. If I can go as fast as that car can go, then I'll be happy overall. Wherever that is, whether that's P6 or P26, like if I can get the most out of that car and be confident that nobody else could have done a better job, then it'll be a successful day for me. And lastly, your three teammates getting ready to go out in that last row shootout. You're locked into the field in 30th position. Uh, have you been able to maybe uh, get in on those meetings and try to give some sort of a guidance to see if you can help them make it into the show this afternoon? Yeah, absolutely. I don't know that I'm any help, but I definitely want to learn everything that they're learning right now. Well, it was an exciting and fun day yesterday. Congratulations. I guess we can officially say, uh, Catherine, welcome back to the Indianapolis 500. Thank you very much. I'm really happy to be here. That's Catherine Legg. And we'll start on the outside of road number 10 as preparations continue for the 107th Indianapolis 500-mile race. Uh, Fast Six will be Felix Rosenquist, Santino Ferrucci, Renus VK, Alex Below, Scott Dixon, and Pato Award. Row number three, by the way, will be Alexander Rossi, Takubasato, and Tony Kanan. In row number four, Marcus Erickson, Benjamin Peterson, and Will Power. We have last chance shootout coming up and the Fast Six shootout a little bit later on this afternoon. Mark James, Davey Hamilton, Nick Gilman visiting with Anders Krohn. So, Anders, uh, with the fact that you guys are solidly in the show and don't need the stress of this day, 
What is uh, the checklist going to look like for Steph Wilson, your team, tomorrow during that practice session for 11 and 1? Well, it's obviously full focus now on, on race running and running is in as much traffic as, as we can as, as we're starting P25. We know we're going to be in some thick traffic all day long, so it's just a matter of what can we find to make the car as drivable as possible. Uh, really put a big emphasis on kind of pit stop procedures uh, for Stefan, given the fact that it's, it's been a year since he's done it last. So, so that's going to be a, a big, uh, big area of focus as well. And, and really just making sure that we have all our kind of procedures in, in play and that we can review those after tomorrow uh, so that we can kind of go back, look at everything prior to, to carb day and be in a, be in a good place. And uh, yeah, you know, I, I think everything will be well, except unfortunately right now we got Michael Young up here in the, in the studio and then he is just disrupting all of us. Well, unfortunately, so. well, you know, well, you'll, you'll have that as we do throughout the course of this year for the, from the team perspective and death perspective, uh, how much of, an opportunity will you have throughout the course of the day tomorrow and then again on Friday during carb day to get things sorted out in terms of pit stops because let's face it, it's been a while since Steph's had to do those on a regular basis, especially under maybe green flag conditions. Yeah, and, and uh, we, we try to kind of do, make sure that every every time he comes into the pits and leaves the pits, it's as simulated as to, to, to a race pit stop as possible and then obviously we have the dedicated time at the end of each of those sessions to do to do hot stops right where uh, where everyone is, is getting suited and booted to do that. So it, it's just repetition you know when uh, to your point when you haven't done it in a year uh, then it's not muscle memory and so we're trying to make it muscle memory here in, in the next uh, next four hours on track before we're racing who does he have spotting for him on race day who will he have spotting for him so on on the pit stand uh no spotting at the turns for I, I i am sorry to say i don't know the name of the fella down in turn one but we have logan gomez in in turn three okay and uh, they've both done a tremendous job uh you know keep an eye out for him then he's got dennis on on his stand as well calling the race for him and so far it's just you know again continuity springs to mind because it's just all of them are so they communicate so well together everything's so fluid so i think steph has stepped into a, a situation that's very very calm and uh, I think that that bodes well, well for race day. Well, to both of you guys, and Anders will let you answer it first, and you, Davey, during your career when you had spotters, did you weigh in on who that was? It was someone that wasn't a good fit. Did you kind of lobby to change that, or could you pretty much work with anybody? I, I never had an opportunity to select my spotters, but I also never had... I guess my oval career wasn't long enough to where I could really, you know, Dave, Davey has a lot more experience. There were certainly spotters that I felt like, okay, we're really clicking here, and he's given me exactly the info I need at the, at the right time, and it, it makes a big difference. And I can just tell in, in the cadence of the spotters we had this year that they are absolute pros. They know when to talk. They know when not to talk, which is equally important. Right. Uh, and they, they give they give exactly the right info, but not 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 more. So they're not they're not wasting words. Yeah, and I, I was fortunate. I had the same spotters most of my career, and and it was people that that I knew. They were friends of mine. That we knew each other's voices. We knew the tone of the voices, how urgent things could be or not be. And um, you know, they came with me to pretty much. You know, usually here you have two spotters. So that sometimes, right. you know, I, I depend on which which one was here to spot uh, uh, for the, the help. Both of them spotted this race, but then on the other ones, it was just one of them. But uh, but yeah, it was good. And, and then that gives you some confidence. You know what they're talking about. They know what you want to hear. I wasn't a big chatter guy. I, I, I didn't need a lot of information. For example, I don't need to know what's in front of me. I, I, I could see that. You know, I really want to know what I may be missing out on. If there's a line that's a little better, if somebody is is coming that's a little bit quicker, or things that they see maybe that I'm doing off of, if you know, if I'm maybe the, the low line seems to be happening, and, but you need to 
you know, I mean the high line, trying that one. So um, I've been fortunate, like I say, to pick my uh, pick my own spotters most of the time. And, and I took them through most of my career, whether it was with Dryden Ryan Bolt or, or Dallas Racing or, you know, Foyt and all those guys. Well, and I will say I don't envy the position of the spotter, especially at this place, because I, I spotted for Sebastian Saavedra here in 2012 or 2013. And when they come at you, I, I was over in turn three. When they come Worst. at you out of two, and, of course, he was in a white car and on the same row as two other white cars, right? So you have three <laughs> identical white cars coming straight at you a mile away from you. So to, to pick that car up and to know exactly the position of it and know when someone's got to run on you when you're side by side, it's so difficult. And I, I've spotted at a lot of different tracks. This is by far and away the most difficult one by the fact that you pick him up from the other spotter. And then, again, you see a car come up straight at you. And, yeah, it's challenging. So massive respect to the spotters around here. Knowing that you have to have two spotters at this massive racetrack, where was the drop-off point that you guys decided on, okay, here's where you take over? So it was middle of turn two because then I could just get a glimpse of the side of the car and hopefully spot a logo. And then you carry it all the way down the all the way down the back straightaway, obviously through turn three t- through turn four. And then basically I would drop off right as they disappeared behind the grandstands. And then the, the straightaway here, the front straightaway, would be for the for the crew chief to, to say whatever they had to say, you know, fuel strategy or, or what have you. And then obviously the, the spotter takes takes it up into turn one again. Well, you talked about turn three and the difficulty you had picking out which white car was yours. I, I, well, going into turn one at the start of the Indy 500 as a driver is tough. I can't imagine what that's like as a spotter. Yeah, no, but they, they earn their keep in a, in a massive way. And, and uh, overall, you know, they, they help. They help the safety of, of everyone, and, and I think that's that's the primary thing, obviously, but but also performance. Uh, well, Anders Crone is our guest in the booth, along with Dick Yeoman, Davey Hamilton, as preparations continue for the 107th Indianapolis 500-mile race. Uh, coming up at the top of the hour, we will have uh, last chance qualifying, uh, positions 31 through 33, and then the Firestone Fast 6, Mark James, Davey Hamilton, Nick Yeoman, visiting with our good friend Anders Krohn and um, that you know Anders this is such a great story and uh, I, I I don't think we can undersell it quite frankly uh, so, well we can't oversell it I should say in terms of how good of a story it is for Dreyer and Reinbold and I, I know we had a chance to visit yesterday and um, it, it, it just the the you can feel the unity with that race team when you walk in the garage and that's so very key to the success it's just good mojo is yeah. what it feels it just you know it just has like a good sense that there's no there's no drama but there's passion right and, and i think that's the most important bit every single one of the guys in that garage are passionate and yeah. and when you combine kind of passion with respect for one another and that you know general calmness that that Dennis instills in everyone, I, I think you end up with good results. And and for them to be as competitive as they are, when you have the mammoths, you know that that they're competing against the, the full-time teams with endless resource, it, it's actually pretty amazing. Well, and I, and I'm not saying that Dennis Reinbold has has reached the point in his career where he's still looking for validity, but I think you know Ryan Hunter Ray, from what I understand, had opportunities last year. They weren't that attractive to him. So I think, though, it further validates Dryad Reinbold when a former series champion, a former former 500 winner says, yeah, I'm going to run with you guys. 100%. And, and Ryan, you know, we all know he's a, he's a consummate professional, but it's just been so awesome seeing him with the engineers, how he's, you know, the, the partnership he's formed with Stephanie, you know, they were, they were teammates at Andretti Autosport previously, and they've just kind of continued that. And, and they've developed, I would say, probably a, a stronger bond than they than they had at Andretti, because now it's the two of them against everyone else instead of, you know, the, this massive, massive Andretti Autosport organization. So it's, uh, 
it's been really good. You know, hey, we, we still have the big one coming up in a, in, in a week from, from today. But uh, regardless, I think we'll, we'll walk away from this feeling like, yeah, it, it's been a successful partnership. Well, we, we talked to Don Cusick earlier this week at Cusick Motorsports. And, you know, like everyone in this situation, we asked the question, given any thoughts to doing more races, doing any thought to being full time. And I think everybody gives a thought to that. But I think we've seen over the past few years with some teams and their control, controlled growth, it has to make sense. It has to make financial sense. And you're almost at a point now with IndyCar where it's so competitive and it's so difficult to step in and do a one-off here and there because the, the, the research and development required to be competitive is like you need the full-time crew and the full-time overhead to do that, whether you do just five races or whether you do 17 races. So I think you're now left with kind of the decision of can you go full-time racing or do you want to focus on the 500? And I think that's what Dry and Reinbold did so well. They said, no, we're going to focus exclusively on the Indy 500. Since they've done that, you know, that their results have, have improved. So that there's a lot to be said for that. And, and obviously, this is the only place where you get as much practice as, as you do here. Uh, you know, the, the track changes relatively little from, from year to year. So kind of your, your knowledge base you can carry with you. Whereas at all the other events and, and new events that are popping up, uh, yeah, the, the R&D uh, resource requirement are, are massive. Yeah. Well, and, and, and while you think you have all the practice time in the world, there's still those that wish they had a little bit more at times. Huh? You, you always do. And, uh, you know, it, I find myself ref- referencing, you know, the month of May. But it's really like the three days of practice of May, yeah. <laughs> and then and then you're qualifying. So yeah, it, it's a very condensed thing. And and you know, luckily we were able to do the open test in April this year, which was the first time we've ever done that. Uh, but uh, yeah, the track time comes at an absolute premium around here. Uh, so Davey, you, you hear things like integrity, you hear honesty, you hear passion, you hear unity. But uh, as much as anything, with Anders and I talked about this when he was with us, and you and I talk about this all the time. Sounds to me like the chemistry, the mojo, as he referenced it. I mean, uh, you know, let, let, let's face it, uh, it, it. All the pieces have to fit together. There has to be chemistry there. In any team you go to, and that is, you know, not only just motorsports, but it's a team that when there's more than one person on it, you have to have that chemistry to, to make it work. And we've had it and we've not had it. And so, um, you, you know, you know that combination. And one thing. When we talk about Dennis's team, you know, I go out in the garage right now, and, and half those guys worked on my car. I mean, they've been there that long. So that tells you that there's good chemistry there just because they've been together for so long. And that is the key component. We see that, you know, with several of the drivers. I, I go back to McLaughlin right now. I think he really has good chemistry with his group on that Penske side of the operation with, you know, Bressman as an engineer and, and Kyle Moyer as as, uh, as a strategist, and, and McLaughlin's on it right now. I think there's really good chemistry, I think, that that could be a long-term relationship that we see a lot of wins, and that's a key component in our, in our game. Well, we know the autograph line is getting longer out back for Anders Krohn, so we need, to, <laughs> we need to let him get out of here. But before we, we let you go, speak to how special it is for you to be able to do all of this with the guy that I think is your best friend in the world in Steph Wilson. It's uh, it's an immense privilege, and, you know, more often than not, he's, he's a bit of a pain in the A- you know what? <laughs> I kid, I guess. Yes, working with you, we know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> no, it, you know, I, I've been so fortunate that this is Steph's fifth Indy 500, and I've been with him for every single one of them, and we've been through some incredible highs, some incredible lows. Uh, you know, I, it feels like yesterday we were in the booth commentating on on him as he was four laps away from winning the Indy 500, yeah. and me just about having a stroke. So. 
you know, it's it's awesome. I wouldn't want to do it with anyone else. And, and uh, it just, you know, not just Stefan, but the, the group we have with us right now, from, from Don Cusick to his wife, Carolyn, to the entire commercial team we have and, and all the partners, uh, you know, I, I know I said good mojo and I, you know, I don't want to be cliche, but it just, it feels like we have such a good group behind us. And so for me, this is just, this just privilege. And, and then to be up here, I mean, with you guys, yeah. it just makes it worse. <laughs> Didn't you well, miss this guy, Mark? Well, you know, I, I'll tell you, there's a, a lot of people posted on social media how great it is to uh, to hear you back on the air. I didn't realize you had that many family members and following me on Twitter, but it was nice of them to check in. So uh, continued success to you. I'm happy for you and your family, and uh, great to see you back here at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. Thanks so much for having me. And, and legitimately, it's a historic day today. There's going to be some massive highs today and some massive lows, and what you guys do in covering it is is important. Well, I wish you guys all the luck tomorrow, all the luck Friday, and uh, all the luck of the world next next weekend on race day. Thanks so much, guys. Anders Crone, our guest. Uh, we continue preparing for the 107th running of the Indianapolis 500-mile race. Uh, welcome back to the to the world's greatest race course, the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. As uh, we were get, we are getting ready, moving ever closer. About 30 minutes or so until we uh, set the full field for the 107th running of the Indianapolis 500-mile race. And happy to have Anders Krohn with us for a few minutes here this afternoon. And uh, I'll tell you, I've been pretty lucky in my time here to uh, to work with some driver analysts. And maybe maybe one of these days, Davey, you guys can sit down and have a talk about what it's like to have to carry me through a broadcast. <laughs> yeah, sure. That's it. Right. <laughs> no, obviously, as as uh, he said, it's an honor to be on this station. I mean, it's an honor to be a part of this network. and. And, you know, we try to do the best we can from the knowledge that we have behind the wheel to to relay the information that we see on track to the listeners. And so uh, it is a privilege. It is an honor. And uh, you don't take it for granted, that's for sure. So, Nick Yeoman, let's do a recap of how this Fast 12 shootout went here this afternoon. Yeah, a little bit earlier today, uh, the Fast 12 from yesterday's qualifying session got on the racetrack. Everybody got one run, only getting one run. Will Power was the first driver out. And he could do no better than 12th. He'll start in that 12th position outside of row number four. His four-lap average at 232.635. The rookie Benjamin Peterson went out, had a really, really fast lap uh, earlier today during practice. Really couldn't back that up. He'll start in the middle of row four to the inside of Will Power. And joining uh, him in row number four was the defending race winner, Marcus Erickson. Could do no better than 232.889 miles per hour during the fast 12 shootout round. So Row four for the 107th Indianapolis 500, Erickson, Peterson, and Power. The veteran Tony Kanaan went out. His car looked a little sketchy. He had to hold on to it for the majority of those four laps. He went 233.076. That'll be good enough to start ninth a week from Sunday. Uh, Takuma Sato, been one of the fastest drivers all week. His qualifying effort at 233.098. Good enough for the middle of row number three. And they'll be joined by Alexander Rossi, the second fastest driver yesterday. Yesterday, but only the seventh fastest driver in the 12-round shootout. Uh, his four-lap average was 233.110, so a star-studded row three for the 107th Indianapolis.
Indianapolis 500 and Rossi, Sato, and Kanan. And then the six drivers that were fast enough and that will have a chance at the pole later this afternoon. Padua Ward will be the first car out. He went 233.229 miles per hour. He'll be joined by a pair of Ganassi drivers, Scott Dixon, the two-time defending pole sitter. His four-lap average at 233.430 and his teammate Alex Pillow at 233.779. Then some surprises. Renus VK had some engine issues earlier this morning. Ed Carpenter Racing went to work on that car, got everything buttoned up, and the, the speed retained for the driver of that bit now machine. Renus is going to have a chance at the pole. He did four laps at 233.801. Santino Ferrucci, Ferrucci's magical weekend continues. His four-lap average, 233.911, means Super Techs, A.J. Foyt, and that A.J. Foyt racing team. They're going to have a chance at the pole. And then the most electrifying run that we've seen this weekend, it's the second fastest qualifying run in the history of the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. Felix Rosenquist, 234.081. So mark the six drivers that will contend for the pole. Rosenquist, Ferrucci, VK, Palo Dixon, and Pato Award. Uh, let's go to Scott Sander. Charlie Kimball started this race at Bunston. This year he's uh, starting a, is it fair to call it a mentorship program with one of the young men trying to make the, the final row in the Stingray, Rob? Yeah, it's it's been really good. I've worked with Stingray uh, last year, actually, when he was racing in the Indy Next Series. And so when he stepped up, I... I look forward to helping him as much as I could, sort of the benefit of my experience as a driver and uh, unfortunately my experience living this last day shootout uh, to try and make the field for the Indianapolis 500. You know, Stingray's in a great mindset. He's really composed. He's so mature. It's one of the reasons I enjoy working with him. Uh, he's, he's wise beyond his 21 years for sure, but... I think it's going to take, uh, out of these four cars, you know, we're up against three RLL cars uh, in the 51 car for Stingray. It's going to take four perfect laps. You know, you look at the, how tight the field is from first all the way down to what we ran yesterday, you know, in 30th making the field. We were talking two hundredths, two tenths, excuse me, of a mile an hour, over a 10-mile average for qualifying laps. I think that's just an indication of how tight and competitive the NTT IndyCar Series is at the moment. Is there an urge as a driver to try to get something out of the car that doesn't exist? Mm-hmm. In other words, to try to drive too perfect a lap? Well, I think it's, it, as a driver, you always want to go faster and faster and faster. And it can be frustrating when we're trying to do what we can to to consolidate and just make sure we know exactly what we have. He's a rookie, and he's got a lot of racing experience. He doesn't have a whole lot of experience here at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. So we're trying. We've all found ourselves, the engineers, myself, Dale Coyne, all of us saying, well, okay, let's be smarter. Let's think about this. Let's take a step back, add some perspective, and, and make sure that we don't do something dumb. You know, Indianapolis Motor Speedway, I've seen it over the years, my decade plus coming here. It's a place where common sense sometimes exits stage left. So you have to be smart about it. Um, it's it's going to be tough. And I tell you, being on the timing stand is 10 times more stressful than being in the race car. As you and I talk, we're seeing Graham Rahal hop in his little buggy to make his way out to the pits as well. You look at him, he's got... To two teammates that are trying to accomplish the same goal he is. Uh, in Stingray Rob's situation, you got a teammate in the in the race, and so all effort can be focused on one car. Is that, in a way, a, an advantage today? It's been helpful. The 18 crew and David Malukas, as a driver, have been extremely helpful. Everyone is making sure, doing everything they can to put all of their strength and, and goodwill behind the 51 car. Um, 
We'll just see if it's enough. I presume the answer to this is, of, of course there's not, but you have to ask the question, is there anything left to do to that car, to that driver, to those tires, or have we seen everything it's got? Not that we can think of. <laughs> Charlie Kim. Thanks, Scott. Good stuff from uh, Charlie Kimball in the side as uh, he gets ready to battle. Steve Ray Rob does for the uh, uh, right to start the 107th running of the Indianapolis 500. Row number three, Davey. Alexander Rossi, Takuba Sato, Tony Kadan. Uh Last time, three former winners were in the same row. It was way back in 1991. Rick Mears, A.J. Foyt, and Mario Andretti. Are they still around? Are they still race? Or who, who? Yeah. Eight other times it has happened in rows one or two, but never before in row three. Isn't that impressive? Yeah, really good. I mean, we did see that. Nick mentioned that, the star-studded you know, studded row right there. and Four Indy 500 wings amongst those three drivers. Pretty impressive. So we know that row is going to be something to look at when it comes to race day. Um, well, there's there's just behind them is a pretty impressive row. I mean, uh, Benjamin Peterson to beat that sandwich, but there's a couple of 500 wins in the row behind them, too, with Marcus Erickson and Will Power. Yeah, absolutely. Some wins there as well. And I guess I kept the record for the fastest rookie for Foyt being Benjamin was 11th, I guess. Uh, so I still keep Barely. that. I keep yeah. that. <laughs> yeah. Not that I really needed to or wanted to, but, um, I, you know, I think the cap the day off, my vote would be if I have to pick a, a pole sitter, it would be that Foyt car. So I'm hoping for uh, good luck for those guys. But, you know, I, any one of them that, out of that top six that gets a pole, you know they, they deserve it because they've been working really hard to get that. And, and uh, but, you know, we got a lot of winners. We got, you know, when they take the, the, how many, I think it's nine drivers in this field have had Indy 500 wins, if I'm not mistaken, is what it was. It's pretty darn impressive that we still have nine people. I mean, that's, a, that's through a long period right. of time that are still here. Uh, attempting to win another 500, and um, so that uh, that in itself is impressive. Charlie Kimball brought up how nerve-wracking it is being on the pit stand as opposed to being a driver attempting to qualify. It's almost like the conversations that you and I have had before in terms of uh, the, how much easier it is for you to drive a race car than it is for you to watch your son drive Yeah, race no, car. no question about it. Now, for sure, like I'd much rather be in the car than on the sideline when it comes to my family, whether it's my father or my son that, that race. So um, I, I understand that. Uh, I, I have to say that in this case, I felt, you know, I, I've been, Charlie's been in this situation. If you recall, he didn't make the Indy 500 a few years back. And, and so he's been on the downside of, of this speedway. But, man, I think as a driver, trying to get in is, has to be so stressful. Now, as a car owner, when I came here, fortunately, we weren't fighting for the last row. didn't go through that. But I have to say, as a car owner, um, it's definitely more stressful than being a driver. I'd much rather be a driver than a car owner. Well, I mean, sure. what it boils down to is no matter whether you're on a pit stand watching a driver, if it's your son you're watching race or whatever, I, th- I think that the, the, the guys that I have talked to that have watched their son's race have all said it boils down to a basic and simple premise. Uh I don't like not being in control. Yeah. And so when I'm in the cockpit, I'm in the race car, I'm in control. I don't like watching somebody else be in control. Yeah, and then that's exactly it. And, and uh, back to where we talked about earlier, when you have a team sport like we do here, um, it's everybody. There's pressure on every single person. And um, as, as the driver, you try not – you try to be calm and cool and collected, as he said, Stingray, very mature and very, you know – don't do anything crazy on your car. Make sure you drive a good line. Make sure that you don't uh, extend your 
cars availability or capabilities or your the driver capabilities and just make sure that you bring it home whether it's in the race or not uh well it should be a interesting conversation you know starting the outside of road number six we were just talking about it with ryan reinbold racing our ryan marine uh, recently caught up to get memories of uh, the indianapolis 500 from ryan hunter ray so if memory serves, in your Victory Lane interview with the radio network in 2014, you talked about being a kid, playing with his toy cars, yeah. with the 500 on in the background. What are some of your earliest memories of this race and dreaming to compete here one day? Yeah, that was it, just being in front of the TV, uh, you know, on the rug in front of the TV with all my Hot Wheels and, and watching, you know, watching the races. And um, just I remember thinking how, you know, those guys basically might as well be wearing capes you know those you know they were absolute uh, supermen and um yeah that's that that's where kind of i think that's really where the love for racing all started for me who had who was the ultimate superman of all the heroes out there who did you cheer for you know i've said in the past i've always cheered for the americans i'm not sure why that is um i mean obviously it's it's i'm proud of it it's it, but i always cheered for you know the american drivers the unters the foits Andretti's, Ray Hall, um, but I was always, you know, definitely attracted to, to Foyt and Unser, um, especially when I was, when, when, when Little Al was at uh, Penske, that was kind of at the time when I was really gaining a lot of interest in the sport, kind of testing go-karts for the first time, you know, he was at the top, top, he was definitely uh, one that I watched I think in that same interview, you talked about being an American boy wearing the stars and stripes or something to that effect. So when you did come and compete here, how much pressure did you feel to represent the United States in its biggest international motorsports event? I think more than anything, the pride came in after doing well here and after winning, right, is that you get to hold up that American flag. That was a special moment for me. But, yeah, like you said, every time all my cardings suits all my my karting liveries were always red white and blue based and it's always been that way for me so you know being that this is such an international event meaning there's drivers representing countries from all over the world um you know you have a certain feeling that you know you want to you want to represent the u.s and yeah i was i was what the first driver since hornish i think in 06 to win it and uh that definitely gave me a lot of pride and um yeah the crowd's reaction to it meant a lot to me when was your first visit to ims I don't even remember as a kid. I, I couldn't even tell you. It wasn't for a race. It was more to come here to the museum. I, and and going, going around, looking at, you know, I just remember look when I saw all the cars in the museum, it, it looked more like I was, I was touring um, the National Air and Space Museum than anything else. Yeah, those are some pretty neat cars yeah. from that era for sure. And now, you know, your names and faces on that trophy. People could go to the museum and see things that you drove, theoretically. How, can you describe that transformation um, going from the kid on the fence streaming to, to being now one of the longstanding veterans of the event? I mean, it's storybook stuff, you know. It's something that, that that's that's what you dream for. And I'll always be able to come back here and, you know, with my, with my family and, Look at the Borg Warner. Hopefully, there's more than one face of mine on there. Um, that's that 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 means a lot to me. And that trophy is, is something else. You know, it's like no other trophy in sports in that regard. So, uh, and the fact that this place has so much history, and the museum is almost like some holy place. And uh, yeah, it's really it, it it's really uh, it's really unique unique event that transcends motorsports. 
back in Gasoline Alley. Alex Wolf about 15 minutes away from the last row shootout and in the HMD pits with David Malukas. And David, a guy that in the last hour looked like might be getting ready to go here in just a couple of minutes, but from on the outside looking into very much on the inside of the 23rd starting position. Just take us through again the roller coaster of emotions you had between about 4 and 5.50 yesterday. Yeah, it was a very uh, it was a very long day. I mean, we we couldn't get the enjoyment until I mean there was like six minutes left in the session. We really had to work for it. And I mean, the, the previous days, even before that, I mean, Fast Friday, we knew that we were going to be struggling. And going into it, we just couldn't get the setup right. And it took try after try. And then it was a second to last run. I told the team, I was like, we found the setup. We need to make just small little tweaks. The gearing is perfect. We just need one more run, and I just need to put it together, and we'll get it done. And we went out, and everything was perfect. That run from everybody's sector that we needed to do, and it didn't just get us out of the bubble, but it put us in the 23rd position. Great qualifying run for sure. And, of course, when we talk about qualifying runs here at Indianapolis, it's such a mental game when it comes to it. And I know with the IndyCar and a Mental Health Awareness Month, you talked about your, your work with the driver coach and sort of the mental side of things. Just how can you sort of uh, psych yourself up to go out with, with such a risky proposition like qualifying is when you're trying to get in the show? Yeah, you know, throughout the day, the stress keeps on building up. You know, you're getting to the point where, you know, even there's moments where we took our time away. You know, we were in lane one and we had no time on the board. And it was, man, it all comes down to these next four laps. And that last run was that situation. And I asked the team, you know, put me in very early in the car so I can sit down. And, and, you know, even though we we go to the pit lane, I can uh, just, you know, be in the car, focus, run simulations in my head and kind of churn out all the other noise and make sure that I'm focused for those four laps. And, and it, it worked. You know, we went out and it couldn't be more perfect. Those four laps were amazing on keeping up with the tools and making sure that the tires were going to last and not scrub a lot of speed by the end of the four laps. So, uh, yeah, I'm really happy from Luke Varley. You know, he's, he's kind of been my therapist, my, my everything, really, to make sure that I'm in the right headspace when I get in the car. You certainly were yesterday, and you have been throughout this season, your second full-time year. You were able to avoid the last row shootout. Unfortunately, your teammate Stingray Rob, unable to. Uh, have you been able to uh, sort of talk to him today, and what kind of uh, guidance have you been able to try to give him to help him get into the show with you? Yeah, I mean, you know, it's uh, we watched video, and I came from my side, and I just told him, I mean, if you start anticipating a feeling, just know it's not an anticipation, and that is that feeling. You know, yesterday, all day, I was like, uh, you know, maybe it feels like understeering one and two, so maybe I'll make a small adjustment. Uh, but I just told him, I mean, if you anticipate it, it's most likely there, and you need to trust yourself on that decision and make sure you make the right adjustments with the tools before you get to those corners. Uh, and, th- and that's kind of it, and then just words of encouragement. But I think he'll get it done. Obviously, right after this interview, I'm going to go over there and, and watch how he does. Well, I'll let you get out there, and congratulations on the run yesterday, and best of luck next Sunday. Thank you very much. That's David Malukas. At 4.05 Eastern, we will begin the process of finalizing the field for the 107th running of the Indianapolis 500. Back at the world's greatest race course, the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, 4.05 Eastern is when the, we will continue the process and uh, finally set the field of 33. Happy to have Paul Page to the booth with us this afternoon. And, uh, Paul, what a, an interesting weekend it has been in terms of qualifying. Uh, we've talked to a, a couple of different folks that we've had in the booth about this. Davey and I discussed it. Yesterday unfolded, unlike any qualifying session I think I have ever covered, from the standpoint that in the last two hours of the day, Paul, we were covering two vastly different stories literally at the same time in the quest to not be 
in the last row shootout to get solidly in. And yet, at the same time, we had people vying to get into the Fast 12. It was compelling and fascinating to watch. I think probably the word interesting is a little low on the scale. I'm saying something along the line of fantastic, unbelievable, somewhere in there. It was a great day. And today has been excellent as well, watching that run to get into the Fast 6 and everything. I'm loving every minute of this. And I did something I'd never done before. I actually sat out for an entire session in a grandstand seat, and I loved every minute of it. Ah, That's incredible. Yeah, that's very cool. So Santino Ferrucci in that fabled number 14 machine. Uh, What a couple of days it's been for A.J. Foyt Racing. It's something the team and the family sorely needed, Paul. Yeah, definitely. And and when he first got on the, uh, he was quickest. That you know, that really that really excited me. Uh, Ferrucci is obviously very very good, and AJ has got to. I mean, you got to watch him because who knows where he's going to wander cheering if if that kid gets on the pole. And you know that all of that just so much rolled together to make it so exciting today. And there's still a lot to go. This is the first time in history, by the way, Paul, that a multi-car Foyt team has out-qualified a Penske team in the Indy 500. I didn't know that. That's cool. Well, Scott Richards, <laughs> our good friend, is the, 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 the information that he's been feeding us over the course of the, course of the past couple of days is just absolutely awesome. And uh, the razor-thin edge, Paul, um, you know, between, I won't call it, I don't think you ever call anybody here a zero, but I guess the the, the uh, thrill of victory and the agony to defeat, as they used to say, uh, you know, your years at ABC. But, uh, boy, I tell you, that has really been on display here because it is so ultra-tight between these teams. Well, exactly. It's what it, it, I didn't check it recently, but like 2.7 miles yeah. an hour is the yeah. whole field. Unbelievable. Yeah. It's, and it's, when you start doing the math on that as seconds and thousands, it's even more impressive. And, and we have uh, Discuss too. We want to get your thoughts on it. You know, once upon a time when four, five, six, seven, eight, nine cars, maybe ten cars at a time would go home, Paul. Obviously, there's frustration and aggravation, but boy, it's got to, you know, that salt's got to sting a little more into that wound when there's only one car going to go home today. Yeah, it's and it it's going to be actually very sad, I think, in a lot of ways. If when well, that's obviously going to happen. But uh, remember, on the other hand, you clearly remember the one we had. You know, we we had like 70 entries mm-hmm. and rocketed down to 33, and that the bump day on that was great. Yeah, Davy and I noticed right away uh, yesterday when we first started our qualifying show because uh, the order of the draw there used to be. A number, then a T, a number, then a T, a number, then mm-hmm. a T. Those days are gone. Yeah, huh? they're gone. Absolutely. And you know, I, I'm, I'm trying to find the exact adjective to describe everything that's happening for me today and for the radio network and for IndyCar Racing and the Indy 500. This is just, this is the best. Well, and I think, you know, to the credit of Doug Bowles, the Indianapolis Motor Speedway and the NTT IndyCar Series, I mean, there are those that, you know, pine for the entire month of May and want to go back to two weekends of qualifying and all of that. I, and I maintain that pretty much the way the month lays out now, Davey and I uh, it, it talked about it during the Grand Prix weekend about the next generation of fans. A lot of families come out here with young people, introducing them not only to the series, but also to this grand facility. And then you have the week buildup of practice and then the qualifying format that we have now, the two days of practice tomorrow, Carb Day, Legends Day, and all of that. I think over the past few years, they have really done a good job of massaging the schedule, of massaging the lineup of the roster, 
and the uh, schedule of events to to get us back to building up to the greatest spectacle. That well, and the result of that has been the crowd that we had here yesterday and today. I was uh, when I came in, I came in before the uh, the gates actually opened. And that line had to be a quarter of a mile long to get in there. It's And you wander around here, that, the place is crowded and it's yeah. great. And like you say, there are, there are a lot. I love seeing this. There's a, there's a dad and like a seven-year-old son. Yeah. And you know what's going through with all that. And you know that that young man's going to end up being a, a major... Uh, fan of the Indy 500 and f- probably follow it for the rest of his life. Paul Page is with us, and uh, we're just going to stop by and spend some time with Nick and I on Monday during that practice session. Then we'll probably have Paul stop by for a visit again on Carb Day, and then again, obviously, contributing on Race Day. And, uh, Paul, uh, we want to talk about the incredible success to the surprise of no one, I think. Maybe you, because that's your level of humility, but uh, I think the book has gone better than maybe you had hoped for. And you're talking about a second printing now? Yeah, I'm. it's in the second printing now, and I am so surprised and then i got the one thing that you really want to hear from the publisher the other day you're doing better than we expected like yes all right (laughs) perfect so you've got another opportunity coming up there's a sizable memorabilia show coming up out in plainfield that's one of the biggest you'll find anywhere yeah i'm going to be in there on thursday evening signing for sure and then drop by depending on the rest of the schedule obviously carb day is a little busy but then and maybe even saturday morning so it's and you know what? Just wandering around there, even if you're not going to buy anything, there's so many things and so many interesting things there. I saw a guy uh, that had a T-shirt that said Penske and Page from the old days when I was oh, at Channel yeah. 13. And I was like, how much do you want for that? I ain't selling it. <laughs> That's an awesome story. And, uh, you know, uh, it, 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 it's you talked about with Nick and the guys the other day. Um, I don't know how the you could have limited your career to just one book. So you got to, I mean, I know I've talked to our good friend, Dave, Dave Argabright and others, and, and writing a book is a very difficult thing to do. So how tough would it be to write that second one? I know the stories are there. It's just the being able to, 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 to pull it off. Well, that's a great question. The stories are not only there as out in the universe in preparing for this book, we probably only used a third of what was potential. Yeah. And maybe a, a, a second book might be in order with just all of those other stories, which in a lot of ways would be humorous, which means that a, a good many of those stories would be Bobby Unzer and his annex in the broadcast booth, things like that. Right. But, that, you know, that might that might be there. I just, I, I, this one took seven years to actually get to the press, so we'll see. Yeah, well, I'm uh, as I've said before, I'm honored to be in this chair that you once filled and uh, hope that we make all of you that uh, came before us so very, very proud, and we look forward to, to having you contribute on race day as you've done for the past several years. You absolutely do, and you know, time and time again, I've said it, this radio network going all the way back to the beginning is a collection of some of the finest announcers in the world. And to sit in your chair, I know what the pressure is there, and you pull it off perfectly. Thank you, Paul. We appreciate it. We'll see you soon. We pause 10 seconds for station identification. This is the Indianapolis Motor Speedway Radio Network. Will Power, driver of the number 12 Horizon Team Penske car. The countdown to the Indy 500 continues. Catch up on 100 Days to Indy, now on the CW app. 
Uh, just a couple of minutes away from track activity. Let's get a scene set down on pit row from Scott Sander. Four cars in line. It is an unusual scene. At once familiar. It looks like a little bit like the start of a race day, and it also unfamiliar in that you have grim faces rather than jubilant. This is where all of the blood and the sweat and the tears and the cash and the loans and everything else people pour into these efforts come down to. In order, you have Christian Lungard at the front, then Stingray Rob, Dale Coyne watching his only driver in this, Jack Harvey and Graham Ray Hall follow behind. Three of them are teammates. They would like to all make the show. Stingray Rob would like to upset that. I am scanning from top to bottom from the south end for the next uh, 100 feet back and uh, yeah, it's all very serious expressions down here. Even the people who are barely attached to the team seem to understand there's a tremendous weight to what's about to happen. I couldn't begin to bottle the pressure down there, Davey. It's I mean, big, it's, blow the lid right off of it. It's big pressure right there. And as he mentioned, no smiles. I mean, this is this is pressure time right here. This isn't about you're in the show trying to be faster that we're going to see later on to Fast 6. This is one car, and like I say, one, when one car misses it, that is just devastating for that one driver not to be in the Indy 500, knowing that, that you're the only one that attempted to be in it, and you're not in it. Back in the day, you used to have multiple drivers not in the race, and I think that's much easier to accept than just be that one guy out. So it's going to be somebody's going to have a devastating day, and it's gonna we're going to know that in the next hour. Four groups uh, 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 for four teams here, Davey, who really did not want to be here. And yet, when we're done an hour from now, there's going to be one that that, that is going to be more disappointed than they, and more frustrated than they are right now. Yeah, and you know, going into this month, and before any cars got on track, you know, people ask, "What do who do you think? Who do you think that one driver is going to be that doesn't make it?" And I'll have to say that I, I was wrong. The four that are here, I thought would I thought the Ray Hall team was actually going to be fairly strong. I, did, I thought, especially, you know, it seemed like they. We're getting uh, together as far as speed throughout the year. They never, they're always more mid packers than backpackers. And then, um, man, I just, I'm just surprised that, that, that this team we're talking about, who won the Indy 500 three years ago, who Graham the year before that, I felt like was going to win him, but his tire came off of a pit stop. And now here we are talking about three of these Ray Hall cars being in. And, and then Coin. I mean, Coin's ran for poles here before, not too long ago. I mean, Bourdais, I think he had a, a pole yep. run going until he got in the wall but um, in turn two. But his cars have been fast here, and this year these two teams seem to be struggling. Not a cloud in the sky on this sun splash day. Alex Wolf thoughts uh, start to turn to summer in Indiana when we get a day like today. How about the specifics? Oh, absolutely. And as we get set, less than a minute until this shootout begins. Ambient temperature is 78. The track temperature, according to Firestone, at 125. That's the average around the track. Sensors in each turn, 129 degrees in turn one, 120 in turn two, 128 in turn three, 123 in turn four. And as the track goes green, I guess you can say the heat is on, not only figuratively, but literally here at the Speedway. And I think what it boils down to, Davey, is that by and large, these teams, the engineers, uh, they have done all they can do is it totally and completely in the hands of the drivers now it really is i mean the teams that's it's up to the driver right now he it's up to him to get the most out of that car to get every bit out of that car to adjust the, the tools that he has inside that cockpit to make sure every lap is is perfect and to give it all you have to try, try that speed what numbers do i think they're looking for I think they, you know, if they see a 231 and can kind of hold in that area, even if they fall down in the 230s, I feel they're going to be safe. I just don't think that any of these drivers want to drop into that 229 mile an hour range. And and one thing Nick Yeoman just showed me, we got another pretty 
pretty famous race car driver Rico Abreu's down in pit lane with that Ganassi team. So good to see Rico out here at the 500. Yeah, I've been here most of the day, in fact. Yeah, they've shown him several times on the video boards, uh, interacting with drivers and different race teams. One thing that's interesting about it, Davey, we talked about how the fact that only one car is going to go home. I guess the fact that there are four battling it out means that since uh, you know each car is guaranteed one attempt and they can make multiple attempts, that line's going to be pretty short. Yeah, and Mark, what is the time? We have one hour, basically, right. uh, of time. So there's only four cars qualifying, as you said, or attempting to qualify this. So multiple times, goods and bads of that. The cars run faster when they're cool. The cars need to be cooled down. You want to get them really as cold as you can before you go out and attempt for the qualifying run. You don't want them heat soaked. Heat soaked seems to slow the cars down. So even though there's time, can they get these cars cooled down enough to do a second attempt faster than their first one? So this could be it. We could see this this be the fastest run for each of these four cars. Even though they may attempt more, this could be as fast as they go. Christian Lundgaard takes the green flag, and he'll point it towards turn number two, where Michael Young set up. Ambient temperature earlier today, 72. Track temperature was 117. Certainly a lot warmer than it was earlier today when Christian Lundgaard ran the quickest lap of a 231. Jake, he comes to you down in turn number three. There will be no gamesmanship of trying to take advantage of when the sun dips behind a cloud on a run because not a cloud of the sky. Right now, the sun beaming down on Christian Lungard through turn number four. Yep, the strategy is pretty simple here. you got to find speed in this one hour. Here comes the 21-year-old from Denmark across the start-finish line. Lap number one, 230.325. Back into the south end of the racetrack goes Lungard. It doesn't surprise me he's at that 230 just because the temperatures are warmer. The left side's below that white inside line at the midway point of turn number two. Takes it down the center of that back straightaway does Christian The cherry red of that high V machine really starts to glisten once the sun hits it. Right now, Christian Lundgaard takes that left side rubber down along the white line. Got just a little bit squirrely at the apex of turn number three. Christian Lundgaard through the north end. Lap number one was 230.325 miles per hour. He glides the high V machine across the yard of bricks. Lap number two, 229.776. Michael Young, the two-lap average, 230.050. Last Saturday, Christian Lundgaard fought for the lead as he had the pull for the GMR Grand Prix, now fighting for his life to make the 11th row of this Indianapolis 500. Jake, good line as he exits turn number two, headed to you. 30 years ago, his car owner, Bobby Rahal, was bounced from this field as a driver. Now as an owner, trying to avoid exactly that. Christian Lungard, one of those that Bobby Rahal has that has to run today. He works his way up turn number four. A year ago as a rookie, he started 31st, so he knows what it feels like to be in the last row, but last year we didn't have this shootout. Lap number three for Christian Lungard, 229.371 miles per hour. Michael, he starts lap number four. He's good, but is he good enough? He was the quickest of the four trying to fight their way in. Right sides nearly touched that outside retaining wall. The line mirror perfect for the last three laps. Here he comes for the final time. And it's the same line this time as it has been the previous times. Kind of in the middle of the racetrack entering three, then down low sweeps it out against the outside wall between three and four. Christian Lungard now up turn number four. 230.325 lap number one. Lap two, 229.776. Lap number three, 229.371. Lap number four, 229.129, Davey. The four-lap average, 229.649. Yeah, that, I don't think that's a number that they're going to feel very confident or safe with. But uh, as we were just talking, conditions are hotter. The hotter it gets, the slower they go. And I expect to see that for the fast six, too. The track will slow down. How much will it slow down? It's going to be the same for everybody. 
Ah, just still like to see that 231 number up there, if, if all possible, and he did, wasn't able to, to pull that off. A couple of different approaches, Davey. Some have gone out, laid down that monster lap, but yeah. then hold on, hold on to the best of their ability, held on to the best of their ability. And now there's a mindset, too, I think, among these drivers. Since they, none of them, I don't think, have the straight line speed to lay down that monster lap. They're yeah. going to look for four consistent. Yeah, four consistent laps. You know, he, he it was fairly consistent. And what they're allowing him to do right here is he is doing a cool down lap, ironically, is, is they usually don't, when you qualify for this race, you usually get the checkered flag and you come right in. But knowing that they only have an hour, there's only four cars, they're allowing him one extra lap mark to actually go slow cool the car down, get air going through those coolers, try to cool it down so they can have another attempt. Yeah, so they can get back in line quicker right, and get ready right. to go. Yeah, correct. So that's that's that, that's a key component. That's I don't know if I've ever seen that happen before where they allow a car to, to, to cool down to, so they can get, attempt to get back in line again. So, Nick Yeoman, once we complete this and fill, fill out the final row, again, we will set uh, the fast six, if you will. Let's kind of recap that for folks. Yeah, that's coming up uh, directly after this uh, last row shootout. Again, we are filling the field spots 13 through 30 set yesterday. Uh, we filled rows three and four earlier today. The six drivers not quick enough to run for pole. Later today, though, it will be Felix Rosenquist, Santino Ferrucci, Renus VK, Alex Pillow, Scott Dixon, and Padua Ward. Those are the six drivers going to have a chance for the pole. That's two from Chip Ganassi's organization, two from the powerful Arrow McLaren, and then if you want the underdogs, Ed Carpenter Racing's got one in VK, and so does Supertech's AJ Foyt, and the Connecticut driver, Santino Ferrucci. Well, I will say this, Davey, as we... we have a shot at Dale Coyne walking up pit road. I mean, over the last couple of days, this is about as confident and as affable of, as we have ever heard uh, Dale Coyne. And uh, I, I don't know that it's going to kind of come to fruition for him, but it seems like all in all, he and this driver did sound a bit more confident about their chances to get in than maybe the folks at the Ray Hall Letterman yeah, Atlantic and, Sabre. And the reason I think that, that they should have more confidence, they probably do have more confidence, is they have a teammate here as well, David Lucas, who qualified really well. He, he you know, he, he has a, he had a good run. He, um, he's going to start in the middle of that row eight inside, in between Simon Pagano and Marco Andretti. He has good speed. So if they could translate what that car had for a setup and what they did to make that car fast, we feel pretty good about Stingray Rob. Ray Hall doesn't have that chance. All their cars, all four of them, have really been off the pace. They don't have one that all of a sudden was fast that they found something. Uh, the 51 of rookie Stingray Rob. He's putting it through the warm-up paces now. The car is a couple of feet off the outside retaining wall in the north end. And he'll arc it through turn number four. That wide swing upon exit to the middle of the racetrack. And he will see the green flag of the qualifying run is underway for Stingray Rob as he points it towards turn number one. Dale Coyne uh, trying to get this driver in. Of course, Dick Simon known for bringing rookies six years consecutive. If Stingray Rob can make the show, Dale Coyne will break that record. This will be the seventh year with a rookie. He's got a long road to travel, Jake. Query as he comes your way. And many of those rookies exceeded expectation when it came to qualification speeds. Now, Stingray Rob... Trying to find a little speed here and avoid being bumped from the Indianapolis 500. Good looking line down low into turn number four goes Stingray Rob. It's a white race car with splashes of blue, red, and green for the 21-year-old from Idaho. Stingray Rob rips across the yard of bricks. Lap number one, 230.064 miles per hour. He was the third quickest of these drivers in the morning practice session. That would be good enough if he could put four good ones together. Right sides nearly touch that outside 
side, retaining wall. He'll go to the center of that back straightaway. Would become, of course, the second Idaho native to qualify for the Indianapolis 500. The other you here on this broadcast in Davy Hamilton. But plenty of work to do for Stingray Rob, but he looks good exiting turn number three. Yeah, his car's pretty stuck to the racetrack. It's all the matter of speed, I think, for Stingray Rob. He exited out of turn number four, lap number one. 230.064 miles per hour. Lap number two, a tick slower, 229.561 for Stingray Rob Michael. The two-lap average, 229.813. Half a mile an hour drop-off. Can't go much further than that. Still the same line. The wind starts to pick up here in turn number two. It will greet him as he enters turn number three. It is nothing more than a mere breeze on the north end, though, for Stingray Rob. And right now he takes that left side rubber down below the white line, swings it high, exiting turn number three. Stingray Rob now into turn number four. Boy, he left a lot of room between himself and the short shoot wall there in turns three and four. Didn't let that car swing as wide as maybe some others. Stingray Rob sees the white flag, the speed on lap number three, 229.514. Michael, here he goes, lap that, number four. That was a good lap. He kept it consistent. Well, let he, when he let that car swing wide, use up as much racetrack as he can. He did at the exit of turn number two, trying to carry that speed down this five-eighths of a mile back straight away. Literally right in the middle groove. Keeps it right there as he goes into turn number three. Well, watch as he exits turn number three again. Not near as high as perhaps others, but went alongside that retaining wall in the short shoot. Stingray Rob through turn number four. Lap number one, 230.064. Lap two, 229.561. Lap number three, 229.514. Lap number four, 229.058. The four-lap average, Davy, 229.549. A tick slower than Lundgaard. Yeah, very close. A 649 to a 549, 229 in front of it. So not where they want to be. There's two other drivers to go out, and you got to remember this. Lundgaard was the fastest in this morning of that Ray Hall group. So um, they, I think he still has a really good opportunity to be in this field. I mean, he's, he's not out yet, even though there's two more cars to come and take a, take a shot at it. Uh, qualifying continues for the 107th running of the Indianapolis 500. Christian Lundgaard, 229.649. Stingray Rob, 229.549 miles per hour. Davey, all lives on Jack Harvey. Jack Harvey right now. I think this is kind of tell the tell. I feel he was the slowest out of that Ray Hall group today. We'll see if he's found any more speed right now. As he crosses the line, gets the green flag, warm-up lap. Not that it matters, 217 mile an hour. That's no indication of what his speed's going to be whatsoever. Looks smooth down through turn one right now. And setting up for turn number two and Michael Young. Yeah, Jack Harvey makes his way, swings wide to the outside. Was quietly confident today, but has been had a quiet demeanor this entire day, Jake Query. He's on it, got to put four good ones together. In the show, he has been consistent, turning every lap of the Indianapolis 500, spare two of them since 2018. But getting into the show is the task at hand now. Jack Harvey through turn number four. Nice and smooth out of that fourth corner. Jack Harvey glides that car down the front straightaway. Rumbles over the yard of bricks. Lap number one is down. It's 229.034, Michael. Sun dances off that people-ready Honda here in the south end. But will he be dancing at the end of this hour? Jack Harvey slow, trying to find his way into this field of 33. His makes his way down that back straightaway. Midway point in the of the straight. And he was a little bit low as he entered into turn number three was Jack Harvey. Now he works his way off of turn three 
doesn't get as high as a matter of fact that, say, Stingray did, Rob did early in his runs. Jack Harvey now is all the way through the north end. Lap number one, not the ideal starting point of the four-lap run. 229.034. Michael, 228.609. The two-lap average for Jack Harvey down to 228.821. He had the biggest drop-off of all the cars in this morning practice session. He cannot afford to go any slower. Needs to find speed as he makes his way to turn number three. And it looks like he's just trying to reel in that speed, and the track is actually getting away from him a little bit through turn number three. He has a good line. Sounds like he's into the rev limiters. Exiting turn number three. Jack Harvey now through the north end. Driver analyst Davey Hamilton suggests that maybe Jack should pull off and cool that engine, but it looks like he is going to stay in the throttle. Lap number three. Can he find any speed? The answer is no. 228.355 for the 30-year-old from England. He can only hope his teammate Graham Rahal goes slower at this point. You hear the engine bobble at the exit of turn number two. Jack Harvey, the slowest thus far trying to get himself into this field of 33 to turn three for the final time. And there's just no reprieve for Mother Nature of Mother Nature either because it is sun splashed. It is hot. Jack Harvey into the rev limiters again. That engine starts to choke just a little bit, working his way through turn number four. If he's able to get in, he would be only the second driver, the third driver rather, to be slowest in the field in back-to-back years. That's something at this point I think he would take given the circumstances. Fourth lap, slower still, 227.914. Davey, slowest so far. The four-lap average, 228.47. Yeah, I think right there is our answer. I think Jack Harvey is going to be the one just fighting like crazy to get in this field. I feel Graham uh, earlier was a little quicker than Jack. We're going to soon find out if Graham is able to go faster than Harvey and maybe even faster than Stingray. I feel they're pretty safe, and it's going to be a shootout between the last two, I think, for the rest of this one-hour practice or uh, qualifying session. Uh, So, uh, uh, Nick Yeoman, for those just joining us, kind of recap to where we stand at this point from our first qualifier, Christian Lundgaard. Yeah, Christian Lundgaard's speed looking uh, pretty strong, uh, considering what we saw over the last two runs at 229.649. Stingray Rob just a tick behind at 229.5. 549, and then that significant drop-off as Jack Harvey and nearly an entire full mile per hour slower than those two drivers. So Jack Harvey sits on that 33rd spot and the bubble as Graham Rahal's car gets set to uh, roar onto the racetrack. Uh, Harvey's four-lap average mark at 228.477, most certainly in danger of making this race. So uh, we see Jack Harvey taking that... uh cool down lap Davey Hamilton he's already worked his way up to turn number three we think very very soon they will release Graham Rahal from the pit box yeah and I, and I think it's a situation if I'm <clears throat> I'm on that Harvey team or part of that uh, uh, to call the race or call that strategy for Jack after that first lap I think it came straight in just keep the car as cool as you can and know that that time you're not going to get faster as the run goes just come in and really, I mean, just I, I know they're throwing a lot at it. I know they're making massive changes, uh, but just to try to give it one more shot. I mean, do one more thing, rather it's trim it out a little bit more, take some wing out, or whatever it takes to give it a shot. But uh, we're, we're yet to see what Graham would do. But in Harvey's case, I think that's too slow to make this race. Uh, for where we said 42 minutes seems like a lot of time, but for four teams right now, it's not a it's lot. It's not a lot of time. Uh, as I said, the cars go fast when they're cool. You don't want them heat soaked, and it's easy to do that but they're allowing all these cars to take an extra cool down lap but like i say with harvey i would have done it sooner than later i mean 228.4 boy that's the slowest he's been all month you know i mean that's not even a 
not even close at this point, and so I think it would be time to regroup. Graham Rahal, yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Like I say, we'll see what we can do. You feel like Lungard's safe? I do. I do feel like Lungard's safe. I think that he's definitely going to make this race, I, I, especially with with uh, two cars slower than him right now. I don't see a lot of speed to be gained. Um, I mean, I think it's going to be a small mouse. Now, he's barely faster than Stingray Rob, but I, I feel like he's good right now. 16-year veteran is Graham Rahal, United Rental Sponsorship on the car. It is red, white, and blue, and we'll see if they have found any speed at all as the green flag flies and the run is underway for Graham Rahal. Only twice with 15 consecutive starts his drivers failed to make the Indianapolis 500. Johnny Rutherford and Tom Sneva, two former champions of this race, but a list Graham Rahal does not want to join. Center of that back straightaway, he completes the turn into turn number three for his first lap. Seemed as though he wanted it to drift just a little bit low as he came off of turn number two, but gets it right back into a good line. Graham Rahal, though, looks like he's losing a little bit of throttle as he goes through turn number four. We'll see what the speed shows. 35-year-old, 34-year-old check that from New Albany, Ohio, across the start-finish line. Lap one, down in the 229 range. It's a 6-1-5 for Graham Rahal. So far, so good. He's got it. Stay quick. He complained of understeer in that car in that morning practice session. They dialed that car in. He went a little bit slower, but more consistent. Center of that back straightaway again as he heads to three. This time, a little bit earlier, he goes high into turn number three, then gets that United Reynolds Left side rubber down below the white line. Graham Rahal trying with all his might to get quickly through the north end of the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. Depending on how this shakes out, for the second consecutive year, this team could have two cars, at least two cars, in the last row. 229-615, The two-lap average, 229.456. His father did not make this race 30 years ago. Graham trying to avoid his father's fate and put his car at least into that last row, trying to beat his teammate Christian Lugard. He's already to three. And with one more start, he would be within one of his father's career start total at 265. But Graham Rahal didn't think he'd be in this spot fighting and clawing to make his way into the Indy 500. Watching along with his father is his wife, Courtney, down on pit lane. Graham Rahal, smack dab in the center of the front straightaway, across the yard of Bricks. Speed is down again, 228.975. Michael, last lap for Graham Rahal. He has been completely open with everyone up and down pit lane, trying to figure out what's going on with this team. Wall really swings wide at the exit of turn number two. He's to turn number three for the final time in his qualification run. Starts to drift up now in Turn number three, here comes Graham Rahal, roaring past, working his way now into turn number four. Got all the way up against that outside line out of turn number three. Graham Rahal now through turn number four. Uh, shoots it out of the north end, 229.615 on lap number one, 229.298, lap number two, lap three, 228.975, lap number four, 228.751. The four-lap average for Graham Rahal, 229.159. 33rd fastest, bumping Jack Harvey out for now as preparations continue for the 107th Indianapolis 500. Hey, race fans, it's Colton Hurd. The first episodes of 100 Days Cindy are available now on the CW app. And mark your calendars for the next live episodes this Thursday at 9 p.m. Eastern on the CW. Uh, 31st. Lundgaard, 32nd, Stingray Rob, 33rd, Graham Rahal, 34th, Jack Harvey. He's at 
477. Graham Rahal, 229-159. That's a lot of speed to try to find, Davey. Way too much speed. You know, I mean, I, I just don't see it. I, uh, right now, Jack Harvey, what's, here's, here's a hard situation. Jack Harvey's on that side looking in. They need to do make some massive changes, just try, just to, to you know, whether it's trimming the car out a little bit more or, you know, if it's all the way trimmed, you can't go anywhere. Put more downforce in it. Who knows? I mean, just try something. But to doing that, he, t- he bumps out his teammate, Graham Rahal. It's not Singray Rob that's 33rd. It's Graham Rahal. So they really got to look at the situation. And I know it's every driver for himself. Bobby's got to take care of all those sponsors. But right now, I would say we won't see anybody go back out until very end, and that's probably going to be Harvey. And that's just, that's still a bit of a gamble of bumping your own teammate out. Uh, four cars, two teams involved. Let's get seeing the sets from both of them, starting with the Jack Harvey pit and Alex Wolf. Well, when that 229.159 four-lap average came up for Graham Rahal and the people already on to pits for Jack Harvey, saw the frantic running of fingers through the hair and really uh, trying to figure out what to do. Now they just took the engine cowling off on the 30 car. They're taking a look around the area. I had noted when I got into the pit that there were two uh, fresh sets of Firestone Firehawk tires here, and while we were in that commercial break, a, a Hy-Vee uniformed crew member must have come down from Christian Lungard's pit with a third fresh set for Jack Harvey to potentially use in the closing 45 minutes or, or less now, 36 minutes left in this session. So right now, they seem to be getting ready to make some adjustments to the 30 car. More updates from the pit lane with Scott Sander. In the coin pit, also the cowling off the back of the car. No adjustments happening. Honestly, looks like they're just trying to get some air to the thing in case they need to make a run again. Dale Coyne sitting in the uh, catbird seat as he sits in the pits with uh, Charlie Kimball, the mentor of Stingray Rob at his flank. They don't have to do anything. I'm not a poker player, but I think they call that he can just check until somebody tosses somebody else out, and then somebody would have to climb through them to even get Stingray Rob. So suddenly, the man that uh, many maybe thought was the fourth out of four is sitting second out of four and in a lot better position than he was just ten minutes ago. And uh, Davey Hamilton, the clock continues to tick. uh, 26 minutes remaining in this session, and uh, the question is, does Jack Harvey simply sit and wait and take just one more shot at it? Uh, it appears as though it's up to him to go out and make runs now. Yeah, that, it is. It's up to him, and I would say yes. I mean, don't give anybody else a chance to bump you back out, um, although it is Graham that he would be uh, punching out of there. So I'd have to say uh, more than likely what they'll do is cool the car down, get it as very optimum, make whatever changes he has, and send it as soon as possible just in case Graham does need to go back and try to fight his way back in as well. Nick Yeoman, you and I have a lot of friends in the NASCAR world, and I know you saw it on social media. Appreciate the shout-out from our good friend Alex Hayden from uh, MRN. They're getting ready for the All-Star Race at Historic North Wilkesboro. I know Doug Rice, Brad Gilly involved yeah. in the PA there, but uh, Alex Hayden, one of the anchors of MRN, a good friend of ours, an Indiana native, by the way, and enjoying it before they go racing a little bit later on tonight. Yeah, certainly hope our friends from uh, MRN have a good broadcast uh, tonight, and our friends PRN for the Coke 600 coming up a week from now. But what a cool story that's been, right? I mean, uh, for those that don't know, North Wilkesboro Speedway, uh, just a staple on the NASCAR schedule through the 60s, 70s, 80s, and 90s, and then as that sport expanded, it uh, sat dormant without a race date and had had the weeds growing up 
They started uh, Dale Earnhardt Jr. really spearheading the effort to revitalize that racetrack and bring it back from the death, and it's going to host the NASCAR All-Star Race this weekend. So speaking of that uh, NASCAR IndyCar time, Mark, looking forward to extended pre-race coverage here on IndyCar Radio uh, to get you set before the Indianapolis 500. Brad Gilly and I are going to have a special pre-race show one hour as we break down and get everybody ready for not just the Indianapolis 500 but the Coca-Cola 600 as well. So really looking forward to it these next couple weekends. Really, really special if you are a fan of motorsports in the United States. Uh, That's kind of how I wind down my day after the Indy 500. We'll get it started very early, but after I get home from the race, I usually find me a quiet spot. Watch it on TV, turn up our friends from uh, PRN. That's pretty much how I wrap up my race day. Yeah, it's a, uh, it's a fantastic day. And, of course, if you like the Formula One racing, you got the Monaco Grand Prix to kick off the day. So uh, it is the greatest day in motorsports. So excited to uh, bring you our portion of it. And, of course, excited to see how things shake out there in the Carolinas tonight and, of course, next Sunday. And, Davey, I know you're going to be busy over the next several days because a lot of short tracks around the state of Indiana are going to be awfully busy. Uh, we were excited to be asked to be on the PA, maybe be a guest of the folks out at Raceway Park for the Hoosier 100 back on April 23rd. They wisely, because of the weather, moved it up. It's coming up a, a few days from now. I know the folks at uh, our, our good friends at the Terre Haute Action Track, one of the historic venues in Terre Haute, they have an event coming yeah, up Yeah, guys, well. the Frick are races at Terre Haute, then as you said, the Hoosier 100 uh, with Silver Crown and Midget, so I'll be involved with that, have a couple cars entered in that event, and then the little 500 Saturday night. Yeah. Uh, that's a, obviously a, what, what a crazy event that is, 500 laps on a quarter-mile track with 33 cars, so I sound to be racing in that one for uh, Kirk Morgan Motorsports, and uh, so it's a busy weekend in short track world. Yeah. What a time it must have been once upon a time when they had the old short track across the, the, the street, street here, where that old right, shopping center yeah. is now, and uh, you could go over there on what Saturday night and watch a lot of guys that were going to race here on yeah, Sunday. Yeah, I mean, that, that would be great, right? I mean, it was just so convenient because it was right across the street. Uh, wish we could do that again, but now you got to travel a little ways, but it's not a long ways, whether it's at uh, Lucas Oil Raceway, uh, what a great facility that is in Claremont, and then obviously in Anderson, Indiana for the Little 500. Well, you know, a bit of a throwback, and you wouldn't know it by looking at him. Santino Ferrucci, he's run the Chili Bowl and a few other events. He, he has run the Chili Bowl, man. Actually, last year, just like the last uh, year, the year before, he uh, tried to set a height record and seen how high he could flip that thing, <laughs> and, and I think he may have that, but, uh, but he, you know, he's a racer. He knows how to... Uh, drive any kind of race car he wants to drive any kind of race car and, and what a good what a good personality and what a good guy just uh really good to see him uh you know in that Foyt car with the opportunity to be on the pole here and about chevrolet right now first second third but like i say that all gets a race we got to do it all over again for that fast six but i think he has a really good opportunity back to the conversation about multi-talented drivers and multi-disciplined drivers a little bit of buzz over the course of this weekend nick yeoman we go back to the nascar world kyle larson was an interesting spectator here this weekend yep but of course uh, kyle larson announced a few months ago that uh, along with a partnership with uh, hendrick motorsports and arrow mclaren that he will be trying to qualify for the indianapolis 500 one year from now apparently it sounds like that's a two-year deal so he's going to give it two uh, really solid efforts but he uh, came up he and Jeff Gordon Gavin Ward spoke to the media Gavin Ward for Merrill McLaren and then uh, Kyle and Jeff got to go down throw a headset on and kind of watch how that team works so it's going to be kind of a 365 day process Mark to get one of the uh, truly naturally gifted race car drivers we have in this country set to go for the Indianapolis 500 the 108th version one year from now didn't sound like that announcement made Kyle Busch too happy yeah 
think Kyle Busch thought that might be his seat, and uh, he wasn't too thrilled about it. But, hey, I hope a team maybe reaches out and we can get Kyle Busch because there are good race car drivers all across this country. But I think a lot of folks, myself included, can't wait to see how Kyle Larson stacks up in the Indy 500 in a year from now. Yeah, we let others argue about uh, which one's the best exactly. and who's the greatest all that. We're just, we're, we're just fans of it for sure. So, uh, again, uh, the clock continues to tick. All eyes are on Jack Harvey. For now, on the outside looking in on the 107th running of the Indianapolis 500. Uh, Jack Harvey, sitting, waiting, 228.477 miles per hour. He needs to go 229.159. And the uh, irony, Davey, of perhaps him going out, being able to find some measure of speed and enough to bounce Graham Rahal of Rahal Letterman Lanigan Racing from the Indy 500 on the 30th anniversary, which that same uh, fate befell his father. Bobby. Yeah, he did, and do you do that, right? Yes. I mean, you bump one car out for the next. I mean, I know every driver you have to take care of, uh, which is the most important one on a on a business level to have in the race. I, I don't know that answer. I really don't know that answer. They They know that, but we don't. And so... Is the situation is they just going to sacrifice it and just leave it as is, or are they going to send it? Davey, three years ago, you mentioned it. Takuma Sato wins the Indianapolis 500 driving this People Ready 30 car, and Graham Rahal finishes third. Not much has changed with these race cars. How do you explain how in three years they go from putting two in the top three to now having three at the bottom of the charts? I, I, I'm blown away. I mean, it's just, you know, and we just see, look at Andretti, you know, when you dominate this race and have problems. We've seen it time over and time over, but how so recently they've been able to win and, and be up front all the time to now struggling to get their cars in this race is just beyond uh, me. And but it, guys, it's something guys, just they, go back. they don't qualify well anywhere. Yeah, I mean, no. It's been a problem anywhere last, we are for yeah, the last couple of years. Yep. There is something somewhere that's not right. Unless, because how many times have until I mean, last weekend? <laughs> I, but I mean, though, yeah, if, yeah. If, if if you passed out an award for most passes throughout the course of the season, the last couple of years, Graham Rahal is probably near the top. And here's the thing: if Graham Rahal gets in the race, Mark, I guarantee you, he's not going to finish thirty third. Right. He's going to start racing his way to the front because their race setups seem to be good. But boy, this has been a problem. And I know that we go to so many different types of tracks: street circuits and natural terrain road courses. We go to short tracks, and then of course the grandest one of all. But uh, it's a great point, Mark. Other than the road course here at Indy, they don't qualify anywhere. And today, it's got the potential potential to bite them in the most harsh of ways in this sport well yeah, mark we have talked about that what you just said is for the years we keep saying wow look where graham is all of a sudden look how far up he if he ever starts up towards the front man he right but he's always got to fight his way through the field and so we've said it for a long long time how uh, how they struggle qualifying alex wolf well down in the united Reynolds honda pit of bobby rahal a few minutes ago was on the pit wall and those of us in the assembled media were starting to get in line to try to get a word with him and just moments ago he got off of the pit wall walked over towards the timing stand for the 15 car talking to Derek davidson the former usac sprint car standout who's now the strategist for the 15 car talking to him a lot of shakes of the head pensive looks as bobby rahal in a, a situation that cars that he owned were in in 1995 when leasing the Raul Boisel and Bobby Rahal borrowing of their backup cars 
Penske left with no choice but to send Al Unser Jr. out to try to bump his teammate Emerson Fittipaldi from the field. And right now they see that with Jack Harvey trying to knock Graham Rahal off of the bubble. Uh, well, it's interesting. I believe he's going to take a couple of cracks at this yeah. uh, because there's 22 minutes remaining now, and uh, he is out under taking some warm-up laps talking about Jack Harvey. Scott Sander. Legs in this race solidly. She's got three teammates she'd like to see behind her. Uh, what are the sense that you have right now of how much or how little each team is working with one another? I mean, they're, they're three going for three spots, but right now one of them has to knock the other out to leap all the way. It's such a tough position to be in. Like, I don't really get a sense of whether they're working together or not. I was going to go on a stand, but I don't want to. I don't want to be that. I mean, the emotions just got to be so high right now. I want to keep out of the way and observe from a distance. And I feel, I feel for all of those guys. I think Christian looks like he's pretty safe. Um, but poor Jack and poor Graham. Like it's through no fault of their own because they're both awesome race car drivers. So. I mean, that's indie, man. Sometimes it sometimes it breaks your heart, right? Well, it is interesting to watch. As you mentioned, I've seen a couple times you looked like you looked where you wanted to walk up a little bit north, but uh, you'll stay here and watch. We'll watch with you. That's Catherine Legg. Uh, thank you very much. Great insight from their teammate Catherine Legg. Solidly in the Indianapolis 500. Out of turn at number four comes Jack Harvey, and he crosses the yard of bricks. And the run is underway. Michael Young, as he pops into your view. The Englishman will need one of the gutsiest drives of his career. He makes his way through the south end of the track, and it does not look like he's at speed at all. He makes his way down that back straightaway. Mark, not sure what's going on, but he is certainly not uh, going to be able to make the field at the speed he's currently running. Did he lose track of warm-up laps or something, David? No, I I, I think it could be a situation. Well, when you go slow like this, it does cool the car down. And maybe they just couldn't get the – it was heat-soaked. Maybe they couldn't get the car cooled down. And they're just going around getting some fresh air through the – Oh, yeah. The, the Worried car. about how long it sat there on pit yeah, road after yeah. that they're cycle. They're maybe just trying to get some cool air through it. He continues to stay on track. Obviously, this is going to be about 170, 75-mile-an-hour lap. It's not going to be fast at all. But it could be just a strategy of trying to get that car cooled down and then get it back in to see what kind of – there you go, 171 mile an hour. So not sure exactly if that's the case, but more than all I can think about is they're just continue trying to cool that car off. Yeah, that's uh, that that appears to be the process because again those laps around 170 miles an hour for Jack Harvey as the clock continues to tick, and it uh, now just uh, just now under 20 minutes. Just now under 20 minutes, not looking good for Jack Harvey. Unfortunately, just don't know. Still out on track. Uh, uh, maybe, like I say, all I can think about cooling down, coming in, making a few adjustments and giving it one more shot as cool as they can get it. Uh, and we're going to have fans on it and everything kind of trying to continue, but it could have heat soaked in there. It's a warm day out. Sun's out. I mean, it's hard to get these cars cooled back down, but I just have to think that at this point right now, they're just, uh, they're, they're just trying to. Okay, let's, uh, let's yeah, see if we can get know. an update from Alex Wolf. <laughs> And really hit the nail right on the head there in the broadcast booth. Just talked to one of the crew members on the timing stand for the 30 car for Jack Harvey, and that is what that run out on the track was, was just simply to try to cool the car down before they go for what will really be a full bore attempt. Well, there you go, and that had to be it, and that does help. By the way, he'll he'll be watching the the gauges uh, drop in the temperature, whether it's oil temp or water temp. He's on pit lane right now, or the warm-up lane coming into the pits right now. Now it would be time just to put some fans on it, continue to cool it down, put some tires on with 19 minutes to go. 
and try to throw one more time at it. So Nick Yeoman gives a recap of how this uh, shootout for the last row has progressed to this point since we started uh, about 40 minutes ago. Yep, the four-lap average that uh, Jack Harvey is shooting for, for the driver sitting on the bubble, is his teammate Graham Rahal in that United Reynolds Honda for Rahal Letterman Landing and Racing. It's at 229.159 miles per hour. That is what Jack Harvey is going to have to find in order to make the 107th Indianapolis 500. The two other drivers that have gone on significantly faster. In fact, nearly a half a mile faster uh, per, for the four-lap average, both for Christian Lundgaard, who currently sits at the inside of row number 11th and 31st, which is where he qualified a year ago. His four-lap average was 229.649. And Stingray Rob for Dale Coin Racing with Rick Ware Racing, uh, his speed was at 229.549. So those two drivers feel relatively safe. Uh, it's Graham Rahal who is on the bubble. Davey, so I guess the question, I have for you the stress that you're putting on the engine firing at it and then putting it out of the racetrack at 170 miles per hour doesn't outweigh the cool air that, that's going to blow through that, that engine of Jack No, it, the, the great thing about both Honda and Chevrolet, these engines are really consistent. They're made to go a lot of miles, Nick, and and it, it, it won't uh, it won't defer that. It, may, it won't, it, matter of fact, it just helps that because it does keep that engine a little bit cooler as well. Uh, well, in terms of uh, the Fast 6 shootout, Davey, the question would be, there's uh, some fan favorites there, but uh, now all of a sudden, are there going to be a lot of people that the Santino Ferrucci camp because of the A.J. Foyt connection? Well, I would have to think so. I'm glad to see, you know, so many of A.J.'s friends. One I talked about earlier, George Snyder, Long time, you know, 22 Indy 500s himself, um, you know, USAC Silver Crown driver, such a great guy. Great to see him back here at Indianapolis Motor Speedway. Always enjoyed driving for George and Rico Abreu, obviously seen. So we see some short track guys here, but AJ has a lot of friends, all of his family here, all, all the the kids, the grandkids, they're all here. So what a great time to really shine for that A.J. Foyt team. And Nick Yeoman, that fast six will be who? Yeah, it'll be Felix Rosenquist, uh, who, again, turned the second fastest qualifying run we've ever seen at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway a little bit earlier today at 234.081. He'll be joined by Santino Ferrucci from A.J. Foyt Racing, uh, the 21 machine of Renus VK from Ed Carpenter Racing, and then two Ganassi drivers and Alex Pelo, Scott Dixon, and his Arrow McLaren teammate, Pato Award. And we take a wait-and-see approach as the clock continues to tick. Jack Harvey for now on the outside looking in of the 107th Indianapolis 500. Clock is ticking on the opportunity for cool down laps. Five minutes left in that. We need to get a scene set for the Jack Harvey pit from Alex Wolf. Well, after that car cooling expedition they made on the track just a few minutes ago, Jack Harvey came in and then they finally went to official work Fresh set of Firestone Firehawks on, labeled as set 24. They made a front damper change. They also made some adjustments to the rear end of the car, and they changed the rear wing angle. They have 13 and a half minutes to try to find about eight-tenths of a mile per hour. Jack Harvey right now cooling off inside that car with the blowers on him, trying to get ready to go out and somehow, someway, try to bump his way into the 500. And a listener uh, checking in saying the teams not have the ability to hook up water exchangers, get hot water out, and cool it off quicker. No, they don't, Davey. Yeah, that's right. No fluids out on pit lane. Uh, you can't add fluids which means a, uh, any kind of a fluid cooler, which we call them water heaters. You could cool down with cool water, do the same thing. But those aren't allowed once you get out on pit lane. Interesting to note as the, as the clock continues to tick. 
Here's what you're in danger of doing if you allow Jack Harvey at Ray Hall Letterman Lanigan Racing to be the last one to qualify. If you allow him to take the last shot at it and he bumps Graham, that leaves Graham without a chance to get back in the race. So yeah, do you, do you give Graham time if, if if you feel like Jack's fast enough? Or so right now, here's where I feel. Yeah, you need to do that as a teammate. You say, man, we're trying to we're trying to get all of our cars in. So let's go out there. Let's try to beat more so uh, Stingray Rob than anybody. Try to get ahead of Stingray, then give Graham one more shot to get in, and then and then hope that that Ray Hall or that uh, that Stingray Rob doesn't have the opportunity to get back out. I mean, that's the best strategy be with. 12 minutes left, and and uh, Harvey's not on track yet. Is kind of leaving it skimpy for Graham as well to try to knock his way back in. I think they've hit on a, a pretty cool format all in all for yeah. this and how this day unfolds. Now, again, the drama will be heightened in, in years to come if we're able to, say, maybe get to 35, 36, maybe even 37. A lot of work to do before we yeah. get to that point. So, but the, the fact that, they, that there's just one car still, yeah. that's a lot of drama. A lot of drama. But here, here's the way I feel about that. I, I feel like we need to go back to where there's it's easier to get cars. For example, I love the manufacturers. Honda and Chevrolet do so much for this series and very appreciative and very thankful that they're part of it. But they, as a series and those manufacturers get together, I feel they need to supply more engines. Uh, let's hear from Dale Coyne, Scott Sander. Of all the scenarios that you ran through today, running into this afternoon, was running one Ryan and then waiting and waiting and waiting, you're most likely? I mean, did you think that this would be the way this might unfold? Because the Letterman folks, are, uh, the Rahal folks are going to have to beat each other out before they even come take a shot at you. Right. That, you know, we're, we're in a good spot, but we're not completely safe. Because if they both go faster than us, we won't get out. We're running out of time, so but we put up a good time. I think it'll hold. We'll see what happens. What do you do with the car, and what do you do with the driver while you wait? Sunny out. Yeah. Watch the flowers grow, you know? <laughs> what are you going to do? All right, Alex. And meanwhile, right behind Jack Harvey's pit as Jack Harvey has been pushed up towards the front of the qualifying line. Graham Rahal, a fresh set of tires on as they give that car once over. Bobby Rahal still sitting on the pit wall now, well within the timing stand of the 15-car headset on, trying to monitor what's going on with his cars with just over 10 minutes remaining. I'll tell you what, with his stand-up shtick over the course of the last couple of days, <laughs> next thing you know, Dale Coyne's going to do doing karaoke yeah, like in the garage. It. I love it. I love that on Dale Coyne. He's been around this game a long time. The older you get, the less you know, the less politically correct you need to be, anyways. And I love it out of Del Coyne. He he t- tells the way it is. It is what it is. And he's right, though. I mean, I I just, I mean, the biggest drama that would happen right now, ten minutes left to, to go in this in this session, would be that all of a sudden the Rahal cars go faster than than he does, and, right. and and surprisingly, also they found speed, and that would be what a story. But I just don't see that happen. I don't see. Uh, I don't see Stingray getting bumped out of this field. I see he's starting a uh, Lungard safe, I think, in that 31st spot. I think Stingray Rob is safe in that uh, 32nd spot. And 33rd, um, what I've seen so far at Harvey, I don't think he has what it takes to bump out Graham. Hey, Nick Yeoman, uh, you don't want to see anybody go home, I know. But uh, I go back to our days in, in covering this young man and his uh, Indy Next and, and the road to Indy and uh, – He's just, he, he's, Jack Harvey is just such a nice guy. He is, and uh, for those that maybe don't follow IndyCar full-time, his career, Mark, is kind of at a crossroads. Uh, it was not a good year at all 
uh, one year ago. In fact, uh, they moved that Hyvee sponsorship off of his car because they thought Christian Lundgaard would be closer to the front of the field, which has been the case. So this is not the type of weekend that Jack Harvey has needed, but you're right. He is an absolute uh, professional, one of the nicest guys in the paddock. You will not find anyone that has a bad word to say about Jack Harvey. Just simply needs to find more speed out of that car. He had the patience to grow in his NTT IndyCar career, uh, IndyCar Series career, along with Myers Shank Racing. And then a full-time opportunity came about with Ray Hall Letterman Lanigan Racing, and he jumped it, leaving jumped at it, leaving Myers Shank Racing. The green flag is in the air, Michael Young. All eyes are on Jack Harvey into turn number one. A man and his machine and Jack Harvey's fate lies within these next four laps. Will he make the 107th running of the Indianapolis 500? Line good as he exits turn number two. Works to the center of that back straightaway. Think about the dichotomy of pressures for Jack Harvey. Go out and please your boss by bumping your way into the Indy 500 and do so, by the way, You'd have to bump his son. So a lot on the line for Jack Harvey. He works his way through turn number four. He is certainly using up every inch of this racetrack on lap number one. But is the speed good enough for Jack Harvey? Lap number one. It is 229.393 into turn number one. He's going to have to hustle if he wants to make this field. Started in the last row twice, 2018 and 2022. Never an enviable starting position, but he'd take it today if he can make it work. Jack Harvey works his way to turn number three. And that car is absolutely planted to the middle groove as he works his way out into turn number three. He keeps a very conservative line. Rear end does not get too loose. Jack Harvey now. Good-looking line, but does he have enough speed through turn number four? Jack Harvey off of turn number four. Lap number one, 229.393. Lap number two is in the books for Jack Harvey, 228.968. That drops the two-lap average, Michael, to 229.181. Needs to get on his giddy-up. The fate of Jack Harvey in these next two laps. Works his way to the middle of that back straightaway. Jake, he needs to reach down deep and find two quick laps. And the problem for Jack Harvey may be that along with all the eyes at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, the sun also is watching intently on every lap. There is nothing impeding it from warming up that car. Jack Harvey out of turn number four. Jack Harvey's two-lap average nearly identical to Graham Rahal's four-lap average. That means he has to find speed. Can he do it on lap three? No. It's at, it's right at that point. 228.941. Michael, this is maybe close for Jack Harvey. He needs to drive the lap of his life. Here comes Jack Harvey out of turn number two for the final time. Swings that car wide at the exit of turn number two to the center of that back straightaway to turn number three for the final time. He's got to know he's got a half a lap left to let it all hang out. Jack Harvey now along the white line, exiting turn number three. Good-looking line as he gets it between three and four. Down to the bottom of the racetrack. Jack Harvey back onto the main straightaway. Under six minutes remaining in this session. 229, 393, 228, 968, 228.941. 228.416. The four-lap average not fast enough for Jack Harvey. 228.929 miles per hour. Again, the clock showing right at six minutes remaining in this session. We pause 10 seconds for stage identification. This is the Indianapolis Motor Speedway Radio Network. Uh, back at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, three minutes remaining in uh, last row qualifying and uh, four drivers battling it out. Christian Lundgaard got it all started. 
229.649, his four-lap average. Sting Ray Rob, the rookie, at 229.549. Graham Rahal, 33rd fastest at 229.159. Jack Harvey, the car is moving toward the front of the line. One more time, Alex Wolf. Yeah, not a whole lot of changes, not a whole lot of adjustments. Just bolted it on a new set of Firestone Firehawks. They're rolling them towards the line with two and a half minutes to go, and this undoubtedly will be the final attempt of this last row shootout for Jack Harvey. And Davey Hamilton looked like as much as anything might be a little bit of a tire pressure adjustment in that left front. Yeah, not much you could do, uh, Mark. You just put on new tires. You give them what you got time. You're, you're the, the one car out. I don't see it going any faster, unfortunately. I don't see... You know, any time being made up, but but you had the time, you got some tires, you got to go for it. Boy, we wondered wondered if Graham Rahal would have enough time for a run. We now know that he won't. I mean, if if Jack Harvey pulls out a miracle here, uh, Graham Rahal will be out of the Indianapolis 500. Yeah, so here's what we know for sure. We know that Lungard and Stinger and Rob can go have a drink. They can take a breath. Yeah, yeah, they can take a breath. It's... it's, uh, it's they're in, they're locked in. No matter what, uh, there's not enough time with a minute 44 left. So we know it's it's down to this run of Jack Harvey whether he bumps his teammate Graham Rahal out or not. Well, you know, Nick Yeoman, we talked about it uh, back during the test, and we talked about it uh, a couple of races after the test. That uh, especially after that 34th entry was announced. Uh, you and I were not all in on the prospects of R.C. Enerson automatically being the favorite to be bumped out of this race. We talked about the fact that each and every year, one of the full-time, high-profile teams yeah. always seems to struggle. That's what makes it so fascinating. All four of these drivers are full-time IndyCar Series uh, drivers. It was always the one-offs that you point to. It would be the Catherine Legs. It would be the R.C. Enersons. Uh, but uh, that's what made yesterday's story of those two drivers getting in safely on Saturday. Same with Hunkos Hollinger Racing. They had struggles this past week. Uh, those teams rallied and found a way, Mark. And, uh, again, it is uh, just another chapter that you never know here at this as nervous as Jack Harvey is at that race team, I would imagine, uh, Davey, the level of nerves just as high for Graham Rahal as he just helplessly sits in his car as the clock is down to 30 seconds left as Jack Harvey's uh, about completing his warm-up. Yeah, it's more difficult for him right now than Jack because Jack has nothing to lose. He's got to go for it and lay it on the line. Graham just sitting there eating nothing he can do. He just has to sit there and wait it out. But I feel pretty confident that that, – Jack with the times that he just ran. He's going out with new tires and maybe some air pressure adjustments, but I don't see the times going up. And I, I mean, he was close. Don't get me wrong. He, he was, I mean, at, uh, almost a 229 flat. Graham's a 229.15. So, I mean, very, very close over four laps, but um, we're about to find out. But I just don't see him going faster than he did the time before, but you never know. You and every driver we've ever talked to said this is the absolute hardest thing <laughs> yeah. that there is to do. And uh, kudos to Jack Harvey for the effort that he's putting forth. And Michael Young, green flag means the run is underway for Jack Harvey. Everything has to go right and nothing can go wrong for the next 10 miles for Jack Harvey. Giving it everything he has. Swings wide to the outside. Goes a little bit lower to the low side of that back straightaway. Back to the middle as he enters turns three. Deja vu all over again. And to your point, Michael, looked a little bit lower midway through the backstretch, but now looks pretty good as he exits turn number 
three. Jack Harvey along the white line into turn number four. Again, the four-lap average needs to be north of 229.159. Here comes the Brit, Jack Harvey, across the yard of bricks, 229.435 on lap number one, Michael. But does that Honda power plant have enough? Can he sustain that... Lap average, he just laid down. Jack Harvey swings wide again, uses up all that racetrack, trying to make his sixth Indianapolis 500. Can that new set of Firestone Firehawk tires provide the consistency necessary for Jack Harvey to be able to come out with four laps that look a lot like what he just did? He is trying to find that speed, trying to be consistent. Jack Harvey high out of turn number four. I simply cannot fathom the range of emotions that Bobby Rahal must be feeling, Michael Young, as he watches this unfold. Lap number two, 229.082. The two-lap average, 229.258. Either way, one of his drivers will be going home, and the driver who looks to be on that bubble is Jack Harvey, fighting to get himself into this Indianapolis 500. Jake, a good line through turn number two. It literally is a bubble with a safety pin right next to it and Jack Harvey is trying to do what he can to make sure it pops and he gets to the other side of it. Jack Harvey needing two more consistent laps. Roars out of turn number four. Graham Rahal sits in the cockpit of his car but the clock is at triple zeros. He won't get a chance. How about lap three for Jack Harvey? 229.176 Michael this is razor close. He's still there. Can Jack Harvey do it? Came back after that last four lap run. We didn't think he could do it but Jack Harvey Harvey thinks he can. He makes his way down that back straightaway. Looks good. Swings high to turn number three. Cannot afford to drop off here on this final lap. And in the final two turns of it, Jack Harvey looks good through turn number three. Rear end is stable as he heads into turn number four. Jack Harvey trying to bump his way into the 107th Indianapolis 500. The four-lap average has got to be better than 229.159. Right now is 229.231. Lap number four, 228.971. The four-lap average fast enough, 229.166 miles per hour. How about that run by Jack Harvey? (laughs) I'm a little shocked. I cannot believe that he did that. What a great run. Unfortunate for Graham Rahal. Doesn't even have a chance to go fight out. Graham Rahal, 30 years later, after his father, Bobby, doesn't make this race, Graham, now 30 years later, he does not make this race. Unbelievable. I'm in shock with Jack Harvey. He has to be elated. Great job. Congratulations to him and that team for fighting. I know he just knocked a teammate out, but uh, that's how this game works. And I see Graham hugging all of his teammates, all of his crew. Um, you know, I mean, he's unfortunately not a good day for Graham. The tapestry that makes this the greatest spectacle in racing receives another thread today here at the world's greatest race course. Oh, we're still trying to catch our breath, and uh, we're still trying to process exactly what we just witnessed. And uh, Davey Hamilton, what a run Uh, by Jack Harvey. What a range of emotions for Team Motor Bobby Ray. Yeah, how Jack was able to go out with a car that they didn't have a chance to cool off, that just threw some more tires on, made the smalls, and barely, I mean so barely, bumped out his teammate Graham Murray Hall. I know he's not happy about Graham not being in this race, but... You know, you are teams. So it's every man for himself. Uh, Jack Harvey, Graham will go down and congratulate him. To be honest with you, I mean, Graham, his name's on the door of that 
that team and it's uh, it's it's just a sad day for him. Just a sad day. It is a sad day for sure. But Davy just above them, uh, you know, Lundgaard and Harvey, they're in the race. Catherine Leg in the race, three of the four. But uh, sandwiched in between all of that, how about Dale Coyne and Stingray Rob? Yeah, how about that? We I had a good feeling with with that team just for the only reason is David Malukas was able to pull off a really really quick time. He was able to pull off. You know, a fast speed, and I think they were able to take that information and that data, and um, you know, put it to play and, and make uh, make Stingray. Uh, you know, man, what what? Just watching Graham's devastating. Yeah, just, it's, it's, it's devastating. But but yeah, hats off. They you know, gotta give credit where credit's due. Uh, Alex, uh, the, the support of a loving family is just what Graham Ray Hall needs right now. Oh, absolutely. After this absolute heartbreak for Graham Ray Hall, sitting on the right side part of the car, being rubbed on his back by his wife Courtney his two children here tears in his eyes as he's trying to collect himself we hope to get a word with him momentarily but definitely collecting his thoughts after just absolute heartbreak down to the last second and the last thousandth of a mile per hour and we will continue to recap what has unfolded before us here at the world's greatest race course the Indianapolis Motor Speedway when we come back Scott Sander, Jack Harvey is in the 107th running of the Indianapolis 500. How did you find whatever it was you found on that last set of laps? I'm not sure, mate, honestly. Just got the balance in a better window and honestly just kept kept pushing. Uh, maybe it was slightly better on the tools in the car. Um, it's a terrible moment, man. Like, I'm so happy that we made the race, but I, I hate, knocking, hate knocking Graham out. Uh, you know, it's a, it's a blow. Um, it's a fun moment, but it's a terrible moment at the same time. So just want to say thanks to everybody on the number 30 people ready car. The determination, the grit, the effort they showed to try and help us there was awesome. You've had some challenging days out here. Was this among the most? Excuse me? You've had challenging days out here before. It's, was the, this... hard, it's the hardest day I've ever had here mentally. You know, kind of yesterday, coming into today, kind of realizing we had, you know, thrown a holy grail with some stuff in the morning and it didn't look like it necessarily was working out and honestly it, didn't, it wasn't working out until right at the very end so I don't know why I put that down to man it's just been a confusing month and it's actually weird because the first two days of practice were quite good and you know anybody who's grumbling who was didn't have to drive today should honestly just say nothing and be grateful that they were in the race because this is a level of stress that I wouldn't wish on anyone Jack Harvey's in the race his teammate is not Alex Graham Ray all talking to the assembled media we try to get some audio in with that support also from the other drivers, teams, um, you know, we really appreciate it. Let's see if we can get some more comments from Graham right now. Talk about just the emotions right now. Obviously, you can see it on your face. Yeah, it's just disappointing. I mean, I think I just said everything. That's about it. You know, they just do. I would just say to prepare as hard as we do, personally as well as the team, you know, to come up short, just, it sucks, you know, but um, it's life, you know, you got to go through hurdles, uh, dad's been through it, uh, this is my turn, um, we'll see what happens, you know, I, I feel for all, for our team, I, I look, even the other three that made it, it's disappointing to be where we're at, um, but we knew that we as a team and us as a car, that we were in the biggest hole all week. Uh, and unfortunately, we, we tried our best to dig out of it. And we just we couldn't find enough uh, to overcome that. 
Um, but as I just said, you know, I think that that's, that's kind of life in a nutshell. You know, you're going to have to overcome hurdles. And when you prepare, you got to make sure you're preparing and doing the right things. You know, working hard is one thing, but but working properly and working on the right things is another. And, you know, I think that this is an opportunity for us as a team to reboot. Uh, and, you know, we'll see. It's definitely going to be strange, you know, next weekend. Um, but we'll be here, you know, to support the team and the sponsors and everybody else. See what happens. That's some of the thoughts of Graham Rahal. Unfortunately, fails to qualify for the 500. Well, let's head to a man that will be in the field next Sunday with Scott Sander. Stingray Rob is in. When you came out for this final session, could you have imagined it would be one run and then wait and wait and wait? I was hoping that was going to be the case. <laughs> um, we did our job. We put two cars between us and the bump, and so, uh, yeah, that was very stressful, sitting there waiting like that. Um, but... Same thing as usual. We put our trust in God and did everything that we could. And this crew around me, they worked their tail ends off, not just the last few days, but all year long. Um, the number 51 Biohaven Honda crew is awesome. And uh, just huge thank you to Dale Coyne with Rickway Racing. And, uh, yeah, we're going to go racing next Sunday, and I'm excited about it. And you talk a lot about faith. A lot of people around here had faith in you. How important was it to know how much they had your back and believed you could get this done? I mean, that's that's what it's all about, right? Uh, faith, trust, and love are, I think, some of the things that have been going around a lot lately. Um, when you're in a situation like this, that's where the, the tension grows the most, and so you got to be able to sustain it with something, and our foundation is built on faith, and so that's why we're able to perform. He's going racing. Stingray Rob. He is indeed going racing, and Davey Hamilton, he brought up a great point. I mean, the goal was to, you know, put a couple of cars between him and 33rd, and that's exactly what he did, gave himself some cushion. Yeah, they did, not the speed they wanted, they know that, but they did what they had to do. That coin team gave Stingray a car that was just fast enough to make it comfortable for him. I know it was stressful coming into this last day, being one of those drivers trying to make the field, but... Um, between him and Lungard, they had the least stressful day. It was all about Graham and his teammate Harvey that had the most. And, and you, you hear the emotion of Jack Harvey. I mean, he's in the race, but he's gutted too. I mean, he's he feels bad because it's his teammate. It's Graham. He knows how much work that this team's put into it. You can hear the emotion in Graham's voice. And all I can tell you is, uh, is uh, Graham Rahal, uh, you know, he's a fan favorite. A lot of He's a great guy. He can get the job done. We all know that. And I know he missed this race. I know that it's it's not easy to take. But the good thing, he has his family all around him. He has a good support system. And I honestly think this he'll come back stronger than ever. And uh, there's still a pretty hefty rugby, rugby scrum, if you will, around Graham Rahal right now. And, Davey, bottom line is this. The thing you have to respect about Graham Rahal, good or bad, over the last 16 years, he stands there and takes every question. Yeah, he, yeah, that's absolutely right. Took every single question, no question about it, down to Alex. Let's go to Alex. Bobby Rahal right now getting a hug from his former driver. We won the 500 with Takuma Sato three years ago. They're having a couple of words exchanged right now as they discuss what we just saw here. And Bobby, if I could just get a second here. I know it's such a, such a difficult day, but the, uh, the emotions of you uh, personally and professionally with what we just saw. Well, if people wanted drama, they got it. <laughs> um, you know, I'm really happy for Jack. Uh, all kudos to Dale Coyne's team with Stingray. They they got a they, they ran a good run. I was uh, frankly a little surprised, and um, obviously very happy that Jack or that Christian made it as well. You know, for 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 Graham, you know, obviously I feel bad for him, uh, as I would for anybody. Uh, but you know. 
that's racing. And, um, you know, we've got to give these guys better equipment next year. Uh, and I and knowing Graham, he'll be in the pits all week helping these guys. So, so we'll, uh, you know, we'll go from here and we'll just come back here and win the race next year. We appreciate your time. A sportsmanlike and classy response from one of the legends, Bobby Rahal, the former champion of this great race. And now, Davey Hamilton, we shift to the other end of the yeah. spectrum to the fast guys. Yeah, these fat, there no, there's no frowns down there. No matter where they qualify, these six cars are on track. If they're six, they're still going to be happy. Do they want pole? Absolutely, they want pole. The first one on track right now is that Arrow McLaren car of Pato Award. Going to give it a... Give it, a, give it a good run for that pole. Uh, Pato Award, awfully excited to be in the fast six. Will he be fast enough to start on pole? Michael Young, he points it into turn number one. Well, let's find out together, shall we? Here comes Pato Award, those right sides right along the outside retaining wall of the south end. He'll take it right to the outside retaining wall in turn number two, takes it down the middle of that back straightaway and begins to swing high in turn three. The only of those Aero McLaren cars that is not predominated by that familiar Papaya orange. The black starts to blend in with the asphalt a little bit, except for the sun glistening on top, glistening quite quickly as Pato Ward roars through turn number four. 24-year-old from Monterey, Mexico. We're about to see some big speeds. What does Award do on lap number one? 233.756 miles per hour. Attempting to make his fourth Indianapolis 500. Best start ever was eighth. He will eclipse that this year. Swings wide. Same line he had last time through. Already to the midway point of the back straightaway. Speaking of fourth, that's his average finish. Pata Award now. A little bit high. Entering into turn number three. Left side rubber down below the white line. Swings it out of turn number three. Good looking line for Pata Award. We'll see if he holds on to that good looking line. 233.756 miles per hour on lap number one. Lap number two is now in the books for Pato Award. Waiting for the uh, speed to be posted. 233.490. Michael, the two-lap average, 233.623. Good consistent run thus far. Not much drop-off. Doesn't need any more than he's already had. Boy, nearly touched the wall at the exit of turn number two. Back to the middle of that back straightaway and now entering turn number three. Monterey, Mexico, where Pata Award was born. San Antonio, Texas, where he graduated high school. Indianapolis, where he's trying to put it in the show into the front two rows and trying to get on pole. Pato Ward out of turn number four. So fitting that Pato's on the racetrack right after bumping because in 2019, he missed this race. All he's done since is three straight top six finishes. Lap number three, 232.962 miles an hour. Was with Carlin when he missed this race and since then has been electric. A fan favorite. Pato Award swings through turn number two for the final time. Nearly touches that wall again. Already headed to turn number three. Smack in that middle groove right now and then exits or excuse me, enters into turn number three, a little bit high, left side rubber down below the white line, again, just to the outside against that short shoot retaining wall, Pato Ward up turn number four. Last driver to do what you spoke of, Alex Tagliani, did not qualify in 09, got the pole in 2011, lap number four for him, 232.430 miles per hour, and the four-lap average, 233.158, Davey. Yeah, we'll see what that does with the conditions changing. We really can't compare to the earlier runs. It's hotter. It's later in the day. These cars are handling a little different. It looks to me fairly consistent on lap one and two. It fell off at three and four. 
Didn't look like he was battling that car. Just looked like it maybe had a bit of – it was either a little free or a little tight. Couldn't tell which, but just used up every bit of racetrack for Pato. And so, Dick Yeoman, give us the role of those to come that are going to try to best the speed of Pato Award. Yeah, next up we get to see the next two runs, the best that Chip Ganassi has to offer as the five-time Indy 500 pole sitter looking for a third straight. Scott Dixon is out of the racetrack. Then we'll see his teammate, a former IndyCar champion, and Alex Below. Renus VK will go out uh, – after those two, then we'll see maybe the surprise of this session. Santino Ferrucci for A.J. Foyt. And rounding it off, Mark, last car on the racetrack, uh, the speedy Swede, Felix Rosenquist for Errol McLaren. And, Davey, uh, there's certainly a lot of pressure being in a situation like those folks in the last row were in by, you know, taking multiple attempts like Jack Harvey and others did. But, uh, boy, I'll tell you what, a lot more pressure when you know you have one shot and one shot only. Yeah, you got one and one only, no question about it. Uh, but it's always the pressure of getting in this race is much more than having that one shot and where you're going to start in this race. Well, you know, next week, when that green comes out next week, a week from today, we're all going to forget about where everybody started because it is important, but it's least important of the race. Uh, Scott Dixon, if he starts second or on pole, that would give him his eighth start in those two positions. That breaks a tie with Rick Mears. Wow, and that's, and that's impressive, right? And no, and Scott Dixon's here for, I think, a long time still. So so that record could even get broken uh, more often. If, if and the possible. run is underway as the PNC Bank Machine points it into turn number one. He electrified the crowd last year with the fastest pole run ever. Can Scott Dixon do the unimaginable? Three poles in a row. It's never been done. Already halfway down that back straightaway for the first time. And this is usually when Scott Dixon flexes that muscle. All of a sudden pops in with a speed that gets everybody on their feet. That PNC Bank Machine of Scott Dixon looks very, very good. Down low, entering turn number four, Scott Dixon on of the main straightaway. That record pole run for Scott Dixon a year ago, 234.046. We'll see if that's what it takes today. Lap number one of the books for Scott Dixon. It's in that range, 234.184. Auto Awards market, 233.158. Scott Dixon has eclipsed that thus far. Left side's nearly down on the rumble strips. Swings wide at the exit of turn number two. Goes to the low side of the midway point of the back straightaway. Yeah, it didn't take him long to get down towards the low line in the back stretch, but then starts to swing it wide into turn number three. Scott Dixon, that rear end stays glued, looks very, very good, works his way into turn number four. And again, a familiar livery now associated with Scott Dixon, that PNC Bank sponsorship as he apes it out of turn number four for the yard of bricks. 234-184, lap number two, 233-135, the two-lap average, 233.658. Big drop-off from lap one to lap two for Scott Dixon. Going to pick himself up as he makes his way out of turn number two. Does not use as much of the racetrack as he exits turn number two. Stays to the middle groove of that back straightaway. Now entering turn three. Fifteen years since he took the swig of milk. Scott Dixon, who now calls Indianapolis home, has always looked very at home during qualifying. Same holds true here. Wanting to find a little uptick in speed up turn number four. It is a trend that Davey Hamilton noticed earlier in the day for the Ganassi cars. The drop-off seems to be significant. What is lap number three for Scott Dixon? Slower still. 232.808 miles an hour. Lap four underway. He needs to pick up that pace if he wants to get himself in that front row. Thus far, they have had big drop-offs each lap for Scott Dixon, trying to get himself at least to the middle point, if not outside of row number one. Let's see how he fares on this final lap. This time, he seemed to be a little bit higher off that inside groove going into turn number three. Scott Dixon 
born in Australia, raised in New Zealand, coming out of turn number four at IMS. He was concerned with the addition of a new power plant, the ability to find a sweet spot to put him up front off at 232.808. Lap number four, 232.483. The two-lap average, Davey, 233.151. A tick slower than Pato Award. Yeah, and when you say a tick, 158 to 151, yeah, that is barely, I mean, just so, so close. But I don't think either one of those times are going to, you can be a fight for the pole, to be really honest with you. And that's what they're going for. I mean, the pole's most important, and the front row's second most important. And I'm not sure either one of those are going to have that opportunity. Well, we're about to find out what I know, if anything, because the guy I think getting ready to go out in his warm-up laps now is the one I said would be on pole. Yeah, here you go. Pelot, right? You named it. He's been fast. Obviously, uh, he did, you know, I'm, there's some information that was probably exchanged between Scott Dixon and his teammate Pelot, but really not enough time to do anything. It's just some information. That's it. So we we have awarded Dixon already in the books. Next up, Alex Below, then Rita's VK, Santino Ferrucci, and Felix Rosenquist. And Nick Yeoman, again, I think a lot of folks are curious as to see what uh, what Santino Ferrucci has up his sleeve. Well, I mean, it's just it's the story of the weekend for uh, A.J. Foyt Racing. Not just Santino Ferrucci, but a nod to his teammate, rookie Benjamin Peterson, who is going to start in the middle of row four with Indy 500 champions all around him. And, Mark, one other thing. I just stood up because the sun's starting to lower here in the Indiana sky. What a crowd up and down the front yeah. straightaway here uh, to witness qualifying. A lot of fans have come out to watch the big speeds. And I think with these last four drivers, we're about to see it. Yeah. Yeah, we noticed a lot of folks filing in here to start this day most assuredly. And uh, crowds have been up throughout the, the month. And uh, Doug Bowles, president of the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, says ticket sales are trending in the right direction for sure. We'll see if Alex Below is trending in the right direction as he takes the green flag and dives into turn number one. His rookie campaign was spent racing with Dale Coyne. And then since that time has spent his two years with Chip Ganassi racing, trying to make his fourth Indianapolis 500. Started in the middle of the first row last year. Tried to one better that in this run today. Only two Spaniards have started on the front row. Front row, front row O, Oriole Serbia. The other is Alex Pelot trying to do it again this year. A little bit of a pop out of that engine as he exits turn number three. Led 47 laps a year ago. He's the 2021 IndyCar Series champion. Alex Pelot in that blue and white car across the yard of bricks. Lap number Number one, 235.131. Michael, he is hauling. What a monster lap for Alex Pelot. Puts those right sides right along that outside retaining wall. On a track to be the record pole run here thus far. A monster jQuery for Alex Pelot. Why, hello, Pelot. 235, huh? Let's see what you can do this time by. Left side down, below the white line up turn number three. Alex Pelot, very, very clean. Roars his way down through turn number four. Lap number one for Alex Pelot, a bad fast, 235.131. What did he do to back it up? Lap number two is in the books, 234.399, Michael. The two-lap average, 234.764. Up and down pit lane, people were picking this driver to get the pole. May they be correct. Swings it wide to the exit of turn number two. Middle of that back straightaway swings low, now back high into turn number three. Barcelona, Spain, the hometown of Alex Pelot certainly aware of the fact that he just eclipsed 235 miles an hour. Now on lap number three still looks very, very good. Down low into turn number four. Oh, you could definitely hear that engine blip there in turn three as he roared past Jake Query.
Ferrari. What can Alex Palou below do on lap number three across the yard of bricks? 233.930. Michael, what a run for Palou. Still looking at a pole record run for Alex Palou. The Spaniard puts those left sides all the way down to that rubble strip. Swings wide to the exit of turn number two. The line identical. Swings low going down that back straightaway. Here comes Alex Palou. Nick, we'll see if that engine blips again here in turn number three. It has done it each of the last two times by, not necessarily this time by, Alex Palou now into turn number four. Three previous starts. He has never started worse than seventh. He is poised for a great start to this year's Indianapolis 500. Lap number four is in the books for Alex Palou. 233.415. Davey Hamilton, a spectacular four-lap average, 234.217 miles per hour. Yeah, it's going to be, that is a solid run. That one's going to be hard to beat, 233. 34217. That is absolutely unbelievable. Over a mile an hour faster than second quick right now, Pato Award. That is an impressive run, Nick Gilman. Yep, and uh, it does top Scott Dixon's record. That's the second fastest run we have ever seen in qualifying at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. Of course, Ari Leindyke has that record that wasn't for a pole. If that, if that time holds, Alex Polo will be the new record holder, Mark. Again, what a first opening lap in 235 miles per hour, and he holds on 234.217. So we're at 234.217 for Polo. Pato award at 233.158. Scott Dixon. Dixon at 233.151. Nick Gilman, who's going to be chasing him? That's going to be Renus VK next up for Ed Carpenter Racing. And Renus certainly knows how to trim that car up for, out for speed. After VK, we'll see Ferrucci and Felix Rosenquist. And, Davey, we should make mention of the fact that great job by that crew today, Ed Carpenter Racing, because there were some mechanical issues with that car of Renus VK. And they... They made quick work in getting those repaired. That's right. And one other thing you got to remember, I mean, that was a solid run by Polo, no question about it. But the fastest three cars to get to go are all Chevrolet. Chevrolet seems to have a very good race car, a lot of power. Right now it's Honda, Chevy, Honda in the front row. Are the Chevrolets going to try to dominate this front row? So the warm-up laps continue for Renus VK and an outstanding young driver for Ed Carpenter Racing. It comes out of turn number four as shadows start to cover about half of the main straightaway. Green flag is in the air and Renus VK is into turn number one. The only driver to go faster than his top 12 run thus far was Alex Pillow. Can Renus VK top that? Again, those engine issues, that issue with the mechanical grip for him a little bit earlier today. They got it fixed. He looks good, and he looks fast down that back straightaway. Harry Hartz and Mario Andretti are the only drivers to ever start fourth or better in their first four Indy 500s. This kid, Renus VK, could join him. He works his way through turn number four. Only man to ever go faster than Alex Pillow, a Dutchman, Ari Leyendijk. Here is another in the Netherlands, Renus VK. Lap number one as he streaks across the yard of bricks. 235.019. Michael, right there in that neighborhood. How good is this kid? Works the south end, puts the right sides right along that outside retaining wall in the short shoot. Already swings wide into turn number two. Nearly hits the wall as he exits, as he sweeps low at the midway point of the back straightaway. Started on the front row a couple of years ago and it was right here in front of me where he decided to take the lead on lap number one. Reedus VK works his way through turn number three. Now sets up for turn number four. The Bitnile machine back onto the main straight at IMS. Sunshine dancing off the gold paint off the front of wing assembly of that car and the rest of it is wide and it is bad fast. It uh, At lap number two still good. 234-403 Michael. The two lap average 234-711. 
started fourth, then third, then third, trying to eclipse that in this run. Redis VK makes his way down the back straightaway. Midway point, center of that back straightaway, begins to drift high into turn number three. Redis VK is a workout warrior, always trying to stay in tip-top shape. Now trying to flex a little muscle and qualifying for the Indy 500. Looks very, very good, shooting down low into turn number four. Out of that fourth corner, Renus VK keeps it off of the safer Barry at the exit of turn number four, puts it right in the middle of the racetrack, roars by fans to his left and his right. Lap number three, pretty consistent, 233.982. Loves to bicycle, trying to pedal his way to the top of the speed charts here at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway in his fourth qualification attempt in the his career here at Indianapolis. Midway point of that back straightaway, Jake, he looks fantastic. He has qualified fourth third and third. Where will he end up this year in the 107th running? He looks very good off turn number three. Swings it high. Now shoots down low entering turn number four. Redis VK coming to the completion of the lap. At this point, you got to wonder what the tire deck was like. Did it wear off to the point where it slowed him up on the fourth lap? Lap number four is in the books for Redis VK. 233.444. The four lap average, 234.211. Davies second quick. Yes, second quick and I think maybe what hurt him a little bit, he used too much track. I think on that final lap down this front straightaway, let it come all the way down to that inside wall. I think he'd have been a little better off to keep it straight. Who knows? But right now, he does not have that provisional pull. He is in second. So we've got 234-217. VK second quick at 234-211. Now look at third with Pottawa Ward at 233-158. Dixon at 233-151. Yeah, I mean, that's that's seven t- one-thousandths of a mile yeah, per hour in between miles. third and fourth, <laughs> and six one-thousandths of a mile per hour between one and two, and you're right, over a ten-mile four-lap run. Mark, this is just as close as you could fi- possibly see. I mean, it's just, it's it's amazing, the show that they are putting on, and uh, Alex Pelot takes a deep breath. Uh, but, uh, but boy, that breathing is going to be altered I- I- at least for 20 more miles, we should say. And let's hear from Scott Dixon. Scott Dixon, 233.151. How did the track change since you went out for the round of 12? Uh, I think the track was pretty similar, to be honest. We just, car was so loose, man. Like, I was holding on from lap one. Uh, downforce level, I think, was okay, but... Uh, I even, you know, ran the weight jacket, collapsed in in some areas just to to induce some understeer on the car. So even last lap through three and four, I don't think I even really steered the car. It just steered itself. So uh, great run there by Palou. Hopefully he can hold on to this for the team. Be be huge. So uh, some stiff competition today, though. That's Scott Dixon, the 2008 winner. And among the stiff competition is the likable youngster Santino Ferrucci flying the red, white, and blue for A.J. Point Racing. He has been bad fast all weekend long. Santino Ferrucci takes the green flag and flies into turn number one. Larry Foyt changing the way they do things in that shop. They are changing from top to bottom, from the old way to the new, and thus far, it has worked for this team, the Connecticut native. Santino Ferrucci finds his way, the midway point of the back straightaway looks like a lightning fast lap thus far. He has made up 53 spots on the grid in his four Indianapolis 500 starts. Presumably not going to have to go very far to get up front this year. Santino Ferrucci already in the turn number four. Boy, I really enjoyed calling the pair of 235 mile per hour laps the last two runs. Can Santino Ferrucci make it three for three across the yard of bricks? No. 234.332 for the Connecticut driver. He thought he 
had more speed in that car after the top 12 qualification runs. Clearly not as fast as he thought. Santino Ferrucci exits turn number two. Middle point of that back straightaway starts to swing high into turn number three. Rear end looks a little bit loose exiting turns. We'll watch it this time by in three for Santino Ferrucci. He was a little bit more conservative perhaps at the apex of the turn. Down low now into turn number four. Santino Ferrucci, lap number one at 234.332. Lap number two is in the books for Ferrucci. 233.778, Michael. The two-lap average, 234.055. The breeze has picked up from the east here in turn number two. It will greet Santino Ferrucci as he streaks by the turn two suites. Again, about to the midway point of that back straightaway, goes to the middle of the track, and again swings high. Sun is directly above the north end, and Santino Ferrucci surely feels that heat as he roars his way through turn number three. Again, good-looking line, but does he have enough speed exiting turn number four? It's not looking like a pole run, Jake, but keep in mind, this kid is plus 53 in spots gained in his four Indy 500 starts. Michael, he's going to have a good race car. Lap three, 233.288. He said it's the best race car he has ever had here at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. Best starting position, 15th just one year ago. And for Santino Ferrucci, a fantastic qualification run. Nears an end as he heads to turn three. Reminds you a little bit of Pata Award and the fact that he's excitable inside the car. He is gregarious outside of it. He is plenty fast in it right now. Santino Ferrucci up turn number four. 234.332, 233.778, 233.288. Lap number four for Santino Ferrucci, 233.249. Davey, the four-lap average, third fastest, 233.661. A name we have not mentioned nearly enough for the job that he has done with this race team getting them ready for this Indianapolis 500 is Michael Cannon. Yeah, my, absolutely. Michael Cannon was brought over by Larry Foyt. He's done an absolutely fantastic job. It's great to see the smile on his face as well. The first few races, uh, you know, things haven't gone their way. As we watch Ferrucci, Carr was just a little bit free, just a little bit. The downforce was off, I think, a little bit, slid through turn one, cost him that first lap speed. But consistency stayed pretty darn good throughout that run. Right now, outside of row one, is he going to hold that? There's one, one more driver to go. And, and, and uh, Felix Rosenquist and is, is determined whether uh, he stays on this front row or not. And the scenario unfolding much like it did for Felix Rosenquist this time yesterday, Nick Yeoman. Alexander Rossi said a top timing and scoring for most of the day. About the last hour or so, Rosenquist said, yeah, I'll take a crack at it. Yeah, things got warmer and warmer throughout the course of the day. And we thought, I don't know if we'll see any bigger laps than what we saw from Alexander Rossi. And Felix Rosenquist went out and uh, bumped him off the top spot. The funny part of that, Mark, is that big uh, four lap speed from Rosenquist was a 233.9, which just seems so incredibly slow considering what we're seeing now with these 235 mile per hour, uh, per hour laps and the 234 averages. Well, Santino Ferrucci right now uh, provisionally rolls off P3 and Benjamin Peterson uh, P11. We're going to stay with this run now as Felix Rosenquist is going through his warm-up laps. This is the final attempt. And after this, Davey, the field will be set for the Indianapolis We 500. will be set. And what a great field it is. What drama at the end. Uh, got it for Graham Rahal. But right now, it's going to be excited for whoever says it on this poll. It's either going to be Felix Rosenquist or Alex Pillow. We're, we're, we're soon to find out. 
ton of confidence going into the fast six after he worked his way through the round of 12 earlier today. Green flag is in the air for Felix Rosenquist into turn number one. He brought the fans to their feet earlier today when he put down that four-lap average of a 233.098. Check that. Even faster than that, a 234.081. Felix Rosenquist enters turn number three. Searching for McLaren's first pole in 46 years. Felix Rosenquist, white car, orange accentuation. Very, very fast. Works his way. Good looking line. Down low into turn number four. The irony that it comes down to Rosenquist and Pelot is because Pelot replaced Rosenquist in that Ganassi car number 10. What can Felix do on lap number one? Only 234.602. The Swede not as fast as he was a little bit earlier today. What is going on with the car? Well, we'll find out. Can he pick up that pace? Swings wide at the exit of turn number two. We'll go to the center of that back straightaway and start to swing wide into three. Last year, this race was won by a driver out of Ganassi that might have been the least talked about, Marcus Erickson. When it comes to McLaren, could it be that Felix Rosenquist is the one that puts it on pole? He's trying. He's out of turn number four. You gotta wonder if it took a 235 mile an hour lap on that first lap to make this thick and not below off his perch. Lap number two, 234.233, Michael Young. Very consistent, the two-lap average for now at 234.417. Let's see how the Swede fares. He put the left sides down below that white line. will swing wide at the exit of turn number two, about a foot and a half outside the outside retaining wall. Now swings wide, entering turn number three. Lady Luck has not always been on the side of Felix Rosenquist, but the team has stood by him, so too his teammate Pata Award, and now it's all coming together for him with an opportunity for a great start at Indy. He's off turn number four. If the average stays consistent and the drop-off minimal, this could be close. Rosenquist across the yard of bricks for a third time. Big drop-off, 233.930 miles per hour. This driver has started eight. That's been his best starting position ever. He will eclipse that today, but can he beat Alex Below for the pole. Here comes Felix Rosenquist down that back straight away for the final time. Middle groove entering turn number three is Felix Rosenquist. Swings it high, then left side rubber down below the white line. Very fast through turn number three. Swings it wide between between three and four. Down to the white line. Felix Rosenquist off turn four. It's going to be close. 234, 602, 234, 233, 233, 930. Lap number four, 233.693. The four-lap average, 234.114. It's not fast enough, and Alex Palou was set on pole for the 100. Seventh running of the Indianapolis 500-mile race. Yeah, how about Chip Ganassi down there, super happy. And I tell you, that was a close, close run. I mean, you look at the front row, 234-217, 234-211, and 234-114. Wow, that has to be one of the closest front rows ever. Let's hear from Renus VK. Start in the middle of row one, wonderful run, an eyelash away from history. Your response? Yeah, um, I've never, I've never felt sad and happy at the same time is if that's the thing you know I, I'm happy you know wow what a run but also <sighs> Alex should have had a bit more lunch or I should have had less but I mean <laughs> it's uh, it's so tight you know I <sighs> was there a moment out there that you would like to live again or did it did it go really really well? I did everything I could really and uh, so did the car and you know, it's a matter of a gust of wind or one degree of track temp. You know, it's so small. So, anyway, proud. A lot of guys have won from the middle row one. Renus VK is going to give it a shot.
Congratulations, Renus VK. Alex Below is your pole sitter for the 107th running of the Indianapolis 500. Oh, my God. No, it's too much on the last lap, man. Hey, man, way to hang on to it. Great run. Great run. Thank you, boys. Thank you. That was fun. Very fun. Yeah, great run indeed. Alex Below. Joined on the front row by Renus VK and Felix Rosenquist, Santino Ferrucci, Pato Award, and Scott Dixon in row number two. Alexander Rossi, Takuma Sato, Tony Kanan in row number three. Row four features Marcus Erickson, Benjamin Peterson, Will Power. It'll be Ed Carpenter, Scott McLaughlin, Kyle Kirkwood in row number five. Row six, Connor Daly, Joseph Newgarden, Ryan Hunter Ray. Row seven, Roman Grosjean, Elio Castro Nevis, and Colton Herta. Row eight will be Simon Pagino, David Malukas, and Marco Andretti. Stefan Wilson, Devlin Francesco, Augustine Canapito in row number nine. Row number nine in row ten, Callum Eilat, R.C. Enerson, Catherine Legg. In row number eleven, Christian Lundgaard, Stingray Rob, Jack Harvey, Graham Rahal did not make the Indianapolis 500. And you know, it, it seems like a week ago that we set positions in rows five through ten, Davey. It, it does seem like a long time ago. We've known it's happened so long, but the excitement that today has brought and as many cars that have been on track. But let's go down to Alex with Pelot. Well, Alex Pelot getting the picture. We'll get him here in just one second. So Alex Pelot is your pole sitter, and there's a huge rugby scrum down there, as there always is. And uh, Alex uh, is uh, trying to get in the middle of that and get a word with the uh, with the pole sitter. So, Davey, now that everyone can kind of catch their breath, celebrate, reboot, uh, what's things going to look like in terms of that practice session tomorrow? Yeah, well, I, you know, right now it's race mode. They have to come out, put these cars 100% into race mode. And really get, you're going to see a lot of traffic, a lot of towing, a lot of, lot of, lot of uh, time to, um, you know, see what they could do and if they're passable, if your car could pass in the traffic. So it's going to be exciting. We're going to see a lot of long runs. They're going to fill them up with fuel, make sure ride height's right. They're going to run them all the way through a full center of fuel. So we'll see a lot, a lot, probably more laps tomorrow than any time we've seen all week. What will be the difference in the approach between tomorrow's practice session and carb day on Friday? Well, carb day, you don't have that much time, number one. You only got a couple hours to really kind of shake your car down. A lot of these teams will completely rebuild their cars between tomorrow on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. And then it's just kind of a shakedown. Carb day is just make sure everything's good. Make sure the car feels as good as it did on Monday and the rest of for qualifying and the rest of the week before. And make sure there's no errors with it. Maybe scuff a few sets of tires in. Make sure that the tires you have for your pit stops are balanced. But you, you, and you will see some drafting and towing just to make sure the cars are good. But tomorrow is going to be the, really the day for race setup. Well, we remember a couple of years ago to that end on Carb Day, it was Elio Castro Nevis that parked it about 20 minutes early, and he said, "Don't touch it." Don't it's touch good. it. And, and so you don't want to risk it either. You know, what I mean, uh, if if something has happened to you, we've seen that back in the day. You know, somebody has the accident on Carb Day, something goes wrong, man, that. Team really has to really go over the top to try to uh, you know to try to get the car ready for the race day. Yeah, and, uh, the, 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 there's a lot of I think debrief today, and there'll be a lot of debrief after tomorrow when the engineers and the crew's going to get together and put the plan together for race day. Yeah, that's right. I mean, it's going to be a situation where their their work is heavy right now. This is important and great for Polo and 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 um, um, you know congratulations to that team. But you know it's about the win now. 
It is about the win now, and Alex Pillow is doing the hat dance, and let's get a quick word with Alex Pillow and Alex Wolf. Getting a handshake from Mike Hull and Alex, 234.217, fastest pole winning run ever, second fastest qualifying run ever. Take us through it. Oh, man, he was he was awesome. Uh, had so much fun. He was sketchy. We knew it was going to be really tight, and it was with uh, the 21 there. I'm um, really proud of all the boys. Uh, the number 10 car, it's been amazing. It's great to have the pole to be uh, with the Be The One campaign. Um, Honda gave us all the power we needed, and starting on the pole, it's just amazing. Congratulations. We'll see you next Sunday leading the field. Thank you. And uh, it's been an amazing run for Chip Ganassi all week long and all throughout the course of qualifying. His yeah. cars came loaded. Yeah, he came loaded. Chip always does. Chip, uh, you know, what what a guy. How to, He knows how to run a team. And if you want to start a team, you better copy uh, Ganassi and Penske. They're the two top. And right now, I, I know McLaren's put pressure on him right now. But uh, I tell you, these guys, you got to watch what they do. Uh, been pretty good day all in all for the bow ties as a manufacturer, Davey. Yeah, it really is a good day for the, the bow ties, although Honda's on that pole. They're on that pole, but then you got a Chevrolet, second, third, fourth, and fifth. So and then, so there's only two Hondas in that top six right now, but the most important spot is that pole. Well, the most important thing, well, that horsepower is certainly is important. And I feel like they all feel like they have it. Maybe yeah. Chevrolet had a bit of an advantage, but again, Honda's on pole, but on race day, it's all about the fuel mileage. It really is. It's about fuel mileage and, and who could go the longest, and it's, it's a whole different strategy. And I think the power is so close on these two cars. I think maybe Chevrolet may have have an advantage and and I, I love to see the telemetry of VK. I think maybe on that last from turn four to the start finish line may have lost a little bit. Not sure on that, but that little bit could have cost him the pole. And Nick Yeoman going back to the other end of the grid. Again, Graham Rahal will not participate in the 107th Indianapolis 500, but most importantly as a team, they're starting 30th, 31st, and 33rd. Going to have to pick up the pieces and find something over the next two practice sessions tomorrow and on carb day, but uh, Mark Sol- loot to uh, Stingray Rob, Christian Lundgaard, and Jack Harvey getting it done in that last row shootout. And as you mentioned, Graham Rahal will not run in the 107th Indianapolis 500. And some good stories, Davey, among the best story. I think everyone would agree, A.J. Foyt Racing, what they've been able to accomplish with their two drivers. Yeah, happy with that team, happy for A.J. It's been a long time. They've been struggling for quite a while now with speed, and you know what? It's good for him. I mean, he lost his wife, Lucy, and, and I know things have been tough, but he's here surrounded by family and friends, and well, no better time to start showing some speed than here at Indy. And again, don't forget, folks, uh, we are far from done. Much more programming set to come your way. Uh, we will have complete coverage of practice tomorrow uh, from uh, 1 o'clock until 3 o'clock. It'll be yours truly and uh, Nick Yeoman. Or check that. I'm sorry. Yeah, that'll be. That, that's right. That is from 1 to 3. We've got so much on this sheet. We've been through 40-some-odd hours of programming. So qualifying for the 107th Indianapolis 500 presented by Gamers has been brought to you by the American Dairy Association. Winners drink milk. Miller Lite. Miller Lite is proud to be the official beer partner of the Indy 500. Tastes like Miller time by Firestone, the official tire of the NTT IndyCar Series for redefining the limits. By Advance Auto Parts, official checkered flag of the NTT IndyCar Series. Pennzoil, official motor oil of the NTT IndyCar Series. By American Medical Response, official partner of the NTT IndyCar Series and the AMR IndyCar Safety Team. By Borg Water, official turbochargers of the NTT IndyCar Series. 
Hinchman Racing Uniforms. Nothing fits like a Hinchman. The Indy Racing Experience, the fastest seat in motorsports. Safety Clean, official environmental service partner of the NTT IndyCar Series. Racing Optics, official aero screen and helmet tear-off of the NTT IndyCar Series. By Shell, official fuel of the NTT IndyCar Series. And by NTT, official technology and title partner of the NTT IndyCar Series. Our driver analyst today, Davey Hamilton. Additional commentary by Nick Yeoman. In the pits, Alex Wolf and Scott Sander. Turn announcers, Michael Young and Jay Query. Our chief engineer is Rick Evans. RF operations, courtesy of Paul Levitt. Our fit producer is Brian Livingston. Satellite and technical support by Scott Burgett. The producer is Sam Rumza. Production assistance this weekend by Ashley Trudeau. The network director is Chris Polly. This is Mark James. Up next for the NTT IndyCar Series. It's the 107th running of the Indianapolis 500. We encourage you to join us on all of these same stations at 11 a.m. Eastern for complete coverage of every lap. We will find out together who will adorn the Borg Warner Trophy this year. Now, stay tuned for the greatest spectacle in racing. The preceding was an exclusive copyrighted presentation of the Indianapolis Motor Speedway Radio Network.